to the MX Vice Show presented by 24MX where we break down the weekend's racing from Portugal uh, we couldn't do this about our show sponsors so thank you to Talon Wheels Extra Triple Clamps Liat Recluse Clutches Atlas Braces for all the support I'm James Burfield alongside me is the one and only Lewis Phillips editor of MX Vice hello hi and also in the studio, as always, is our producer, Rob, from Jukebox Beats, who uh, makes this podcast uh, available for us um, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. SoundCloud. Yeah. SoundCloud, everywhere. So we've come back from a fantastic weekend in Portugal. There were some big shocks the weekend. Uh, one of the biggest was Lewis losing MX Manager to myself. Um, he was very, very confident right away up to McDonald's car park where he was, uh, let's just say, very, very excited and confident until he forgot some point scorers. Which point scorer was it you've, you, you missed? You've literally could not have got this story more wrong. Okay. Yeah. Should we have the Lewis version? No, because it's a long shit story that doesn't really go okay. anywhere. You're, you're just very... You're very, very angry, I no, can no, tell. No, you, your story, which, like, when you first started the story, I could tell where you were going with it, and then yep. slowly I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? 
Okay. And then, like, you've basically merged three different things that happened in a weekend into one. Oh, wow, okay. So, and not all of them involving even me. As you can tell by the tone of his voice, he's very, <laughs> very angry. He did not expect me to come up with the goods this weekend and wipe the floor of him. Uh, considering I was 12 points behind you when one, of my rider, when one of my floor. riders did score zero points. There, it's insanely impressive, I'd say. There is some repercussions from this. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth in the show later on, uh, because there was a bet, uh, which, but we're just going to, he's, it's just slowly sinking in. I'm looking at his face. He's very angry. He's not happy about this, but a bet's a bet. So let's move forward. Portugal, Lewis. Yes. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, it was good. Better than Mantua. What did you think of the track? It's all right. I mean, I've been there before. What did you think of the track? I love the track. However, I didn't think it lent itself to great racing. No, but at the same time, the last few years kind of been like uh, slot car racing or whatever, where it's been soft, deep ruts and all that. So it was decent enough to see like people using different lines and trying things, but then they'd try things and not really go anywhere with it. Yeah. But even seeing people try things makes you go like, uh, uh, oh. Yeah. So it's something. Okay. Um, and then the MXGP class. Yes. And... <laughs> It was oh, good. You just want me to go. Well, yeah, I'm, you're, oh. uh, I'm just the okay. host. No, no, just, this uh, is where you chip in just, uh, just with go, the information. Just, I mean, you've even got notes this week. Just going in, going in with and VMXGP class kind of doesn't give me much to work off of. Well, this is like a, what, our eighth podcast. Surely oh, yeah. oh, you sorry. should be like mentally like, so, tuned at this, into this. At this now. point, you've now toned it down to a point where you want to say four words. Yeah. And then just let, leave it be. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely fine. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, MXGP class, Lewis? Oh, yeah, it was good. Although. Everyone's excited again because guys are one, which means we've got a bit of a battle on our hands. I say a bit because um, I'm not sure how much we should really read into the uh, results. Because um, 1-1, uh, Trentino was impressive and he beat Crowley straight up. But Crowley kind of handled the win- her handed the win to him both times. Like uh, Crowley stalled it in the first race and then crashed in the second. So it could have quite easily been a Crowley 1-1, which would have put his lead from 40 to 46. And then at that point, everything's spiraling out of control. So like... Yeah, it was good to have a different winner again, and it was good to spice things up, but it wasn't a clear indicator that guys it was better than Crowley on the day. No. So I don't know where you want to go with that. Well, I think you have to look at the positive thing, which is he's clawed six points back. Yep, 34. So that's all, that's all he needs to do, I guess. Yep, 34. It's a long old way. <laughs> sure is, but there's still what, eight rounds left, nine rounds. <laughs> Are you serious? I have no idea. Are you actually serious? I have no idea. Uh, there is, what, there's 18 rounds. We've done six. 18 I minus six. I can't remember. There's uh, 12 rounds left. Yeah. Well, there's a few been cancelled. A um, few moved dates. I can't keep up with it. I'm a busy person. That's great. I'm glad we've covered. Everyone tuned into this podcast just to find out how many races were left. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. There we go. I am actually quite sad. I uh, Randomly over the weekend, I was just plodding along, walking around, thinking to myself about random stuff. And I realised it's round six. Right. There's 18 rounds. That so means we've done, we've done a third of the series, which means I've only got two more of what we've just done to go. And okay. I started to cry a little bit. Uh, you're very so I'm now like on the way down and I'm very emotional and not very happy. And I just really could do with those two rounds back. Oh, right. Okay. So extended to 20. Yeah. Okay. 20 is a nice spot. But you're going to Erzberg, so that's one. It's just not the same. Okay. Okay. I just need MXGP in my life. Okay. I'm sure. Arno Tonus. Great to see him in, on the podium. Yeah. It was. I mean, I'm very excited. I don't know why you're not excited. He was very excited. Have you seen the photos of him like behind the podium and stuff? Yeah, but he's been through such a tough few years. 
I mean, when you think about sort of going over to America, you had some in- injury issues there, came back to MXGP injury issues again. He's literally out for, a, what, a year? Yeah, all year. Well, more than a year if you want to look at it race to race. So I can imagine this meant a lot. Even to uh, Louis Vosters, I guess, because let's be honest, like he re-signed, uh, Tonis's contract was up last year and he didn't race at all. So no one thought he was going to get re-signed and there were obviously other riders available. He could have got Koldenoff, could have got Max, like good riders, but he chose to be loyal, stuck with Tonus, and a lot of people questioned the move, which is fair enough because it wasn't like he was just killing it before his injury. No. It's not like he was setting a world alight and delivering podium after podium after podium. But the fact that he's already back up there kind of, I don't know, validates the decision a bit and proves that it was worth putting faith in him. Although I'd say it's different now with the, uh, the structure of the Wilvo team because there's a clear number one and number two rider. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Tonus's, the way you perceived the way that Tonus was doing was different before because he was kind of a lead rider, kind of not. So you kind of put all of the expectations of the team, the resources that they've got onto him. Whereas now, just finishing on the podium is like, well, that's good because now they've got a second rider that can do that. Yeah. I feel like the structure of the team this year kind of almost plays to Tonus's favour in a little way anyway. I mean, I, f- I focused on him uh, quite a lot through uh, practicing and the races this weekend because it's just his, his unique style just lends itself to like, you know, it's just very eye-catching. And the, some of the lines he was taking the weekend were completely different to other people. Where he was squaring up some corners, you know, other corners you go out wide. It, he was taking different lines. He was constantly trying to do different things. And I think that's one thing which stood out from the weekend where I found that there seemed to be one, again, one fast line uh, on the track. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because you moved on from Crowley and Geyser quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And I had something to say or something to talk about. Uh, the scoop tire gate. Oh, yeah. We mentioned this on Saturday. I think Tonus was using one as well, if I remember correctly. It was definitely, it wasn't just a Crowley thing. It was a common thing. And you say you saw him uh, using different lines and stuff. And I think that maybe was the reason why. Okay, interesting. Well, obviously, if you've got a scoop tire on, if you're staying in the same hard-baked rut lines, then it's not really going to help. Like Crowley said, he had to search a little bit and find the places that worked for the tire. So let's uh, rewind that because if people didn't tune into Saturday's uh, podcast after. Uh, the qualifying races, uh, you mentioned that uh, Antonio Crowley, he was actually using a scoop tire, but he wasn't sure how many other riders adopted this. Yeah, yeah, and he was on Sunday as well in both motors, which okay. is even more surprising because I thought it'd change for uh, Sunday because he admitted that in the qualifying race, a scoop tire uh, hurt him on a start, which it did. Like I focused on him out of the gate and he was swallowed up immediately. Considering that and the fact that the weather was getting hotter overnight and it was going to be harder the next day, all of that, I thought he'd go back to like regular tyre choice. And I guess what would have been the normal option for the field, although it seems like more and more scoop tyre users are popping up. But uh, no, he stuck with it. Some, for some reason, it didn't seem to affect his starts as much on race day, which I didn't really get into with him, but that intrigues me a little bit. And obviously there was a good reason for it because lots of people did it. I don't know what Geyser did, but... Okay, good, good investigative journalism there. Is that, uh, is that, I'm not sure if that was sarcasm. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. What? I'm not sure what more, more, what more you want from me. Well, I thought you were just going to be talking to other riders and finding out from Saturday's podcast. I did. Well, obviously you didn't find out from the winner. I had lots I'm of things to talk to him about. Okay. Also, somebody who's... One, one thing that we've um, not been very uh, maybe kind to him on the, on the podcast show previously is, is DeSalle. Again, he's coming off of uh, you know having some surgery in between uh, the breaks, and he's just putting another fourth overall. And he looked good out there at the weekend. Yeah, it's just 
this is the new DeSalle. Like, it was actually quite funny seeing him lead Crowley in the second race because you get reminded of what he did and what he maybe still can do, although definitely not consistently. Yeah, I guess we just got to, it's just a whole realigning expectations thing. Like, yeah, he was once amazing and once a contender for GP wins every weekend, but now third, fourth, fifth is his spot and yeah, where he's going to just be most weekends, I guess. Like, it's nothing to get excited about. I'm sure he, well, actually, I spoke to him. He wasn't overly pumped on a fourth, although given the circumstances, he was pleased with it. But I was quite surprised you, you, you'd done the pod race. Yeah, he's so, back. Yeah. First time since uh, Aston 2016. And managed five minutes? Yep, five minutes. Wow. And what did he say for those who haven't listened to the podcast? Uh, just a lot of normal stuff. I, I didn't go too hard. Like, I eased him back into it. I like, didn't want to scare him off, did I? No. First time in three years, but okay. just eased him back into it. I laughed a lot at his... Answers made him feel comfortable. Like very good. He made a joke, and I make sure that he knew I was found it funny. Like okay, it's good for him. I'm glad he's back. Okay, so you didn't learn any insights, or nothing? I did. I probably did, but it was a while ago now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So if you want to listen to that, they are available still um, on iTunes and Spotify. No, um, it was just a, it was just a standard knee still getting back to 100. percent Missed out on some testing time. Nothing earth shattering. How much testing time do they do? Like, well, he missed a month. Oh, okay. Not between races, oh, testing no. time. Right. Yeah, sure. well, yeah, between Trentino and Lombardia. Okay, I was super confused then. That's fine. It's okay. nothing new, is it? No, not really. Jeremy Seaworth, was he leading at one stage? No. Did he not get the whole shot? No. Okay, I might be able to watch a different race. <laughs> Amazing, brilliant. That's, I think that's the first time you've chimed in with some insight. And just yeah. Kind of... I thought I'd seen him up there. No, he was first. Point. Maybe that was it. Yeah, and yeah. actually chasing down. But I've, I've been on this. Give me credit. Yeah, well, I'm happy to give you credit. Yeah, I've said that he can do it and will do it, and he's a good 450 rider. Like, he got in behind uh, Geyser and Crowley. I think it was in the qualifying race? I don't know. I don't think it was in the motors. On... I'm scared to say anything now because I get it wrong. <laughs> I think it was in the qualifying race. He got in behind um, Crowley and Geyser, ran the pace for a little bit, didn't look out of place, and I found it interesting just because it was the first time he's been close enough to really see what they're doing since he moved up to a 450 at the beginning of last year and uh, it's kind of the progression of things and like the steps you've got to take and I feel like good things are coming. How important was the start of the weekend? Very. Everyone said that. Yeah. And well, you saw it. Look at all the riders who qualified poorly and did absolutely like nothing trying to come through the field. Like Paul in, in the first motor crashed on the first lap, went from 28th to 15th. That's solid, like it's good, but you've got to think any other track he's getting back, or not any other track, but most other tracks he's getting back to top 10. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Think, I feel like everyone was reluctant to completely bash on the track because everyone likes it. Like, fun. It's a fun track. It's a good track. It's definitely one of the best on the schedule. So no one was really going in on it, but it wasn't the easiest to pass. I mean, one of the things from the Saturday show was people saying that they needed to heavily water it and rip it on the Sunday, didn't they? Yeah. Well, this this is what confused me because I spoke to loads of riders about like the track prep overnight and every like. One rider would say, no, they didn't really water it at all. And then the other one would be like, oh, yeah, they absolutely drowned it. And it's like, well, that's two different stories. Yeah. So everyone said it was better Sunday, though. Okay, that's And there were more lines, although more lines, but not necessarily lines you could use to make a pass. Right. So still one fast line, but there were at least a few options. Okay. Right, cool. There was uh, uh, Romain Fevre. He um, returned for the week weekend and looked good for someone who's been out for a while. Yeah. I feel like that's what you'd expect from him after two months off? No, I expected a lot less. Really? I've, yeah, I thought it'd ease uh, you know, you, But you never see riders come back now and finish 15th, do you? Like, it's, you never see someone just come back and completely bomb out. So I always like, even if they say like, he was going on uh, pre-race, like, oh yeah, I'm not 100%, I still need more mobility, uh, this is going to be a work in progress, I've got to start somewhere. 
even with all that, I was like, okay, so he'll be top 10, which is why I put him on my MX manager team because I knew, yeah, I presumed he'd be able to do that. And, and next week, we're, well, this week, we're going to see him in top five. It's not that long to make a drastic improvement. He'll be there or thereabouts, which is what he was in yeah. uh, Portugal. Like second motor, he was in an insane battle with Sua, Tonus, Paulin. Yeah. Like this massive black and blue battle, which was really, really good. Yeah. And that was for fourth, I think. So he was in that group, yeah. just not at the front of it. One thing I did actually enjoy with, uh, the weekend was, I think it was the Moto2 when um, there was like Lupino, Cyril, Leoc. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the other. There was a group of about five or six riders from maybe from about 11th to about 16th, 17th, literally battling with each other. And that was, that was another cool thing to see. Where uh, literally it's just seeing that, you know, it was like a second what was, uh, you know, between them. I did not see that. Ah, okay. Yeah. This is like last week. You're big on you're big on people being close, aren't you? It's like last week when you were like, oh, the points in the overall were close, and they expected me to like jump up and down and be like, amazing, absolutely amazing, can't believe that. Yeah, it's like you've just reported there that riders were close in the second moto. It's like brilliant. Well, no, like the weekend what what you did see was Geyser and Corolia as always checked out. Tonus got pulled along a little bit, and then there was the gap, and then there was the next group of riders, and then there was another gap, and then the next group of riders. So, you know, we're starting to see what groups these riders are fitting into at the moment. I'd just like to correct myself. Uh, Sewer running third at the beginning of a race was Moto 1 on Sunday. Okay. I just remembered he qualified badly. Right. Hence why uh, in the second moto, he was coming up from the back a tiny bit. No. Just, just FYI. So, apart from that, the MXGP didn't, there was no surprises. There was no, you know, people shouldn't have been. I mean, Monticelli had not the greatest of days. Yeah, but he was coming off a dislocated shoulder. So yeah. what do you expect? But he did look fast on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not actually sure what happened to him in the motos because he kind of turned invisible. But then I'm guessing, I don't know, it's just a bit like, what can you expect? I'm pretty sure it was a surprise to everyone that he raced, like everyone close to him. Yeah. And uh, if you missed the Saturday podcast, he also lost his gear back. Yeah. So that's, that's it's not like things, things just didn't really go well. No. They didn't really play off for him. So okay. it is what it is. Did you have any more insights from Sunday? You were very excited about your insights with your notes on Saturday. Um, well, I've got to be honest with you. I lied about having notes. I don't actually have notes. Oh. Yeah, I was just trying to stall you when you wanted to start this because I was busy doing something else. Oh, uh, what were you doing? Huh? I was just updating the website. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Just lying to me again. Yeah. Speaking of lies, um, we had a bet the weekend. Oh, this is coming up now. People, well, don't, uh, people don't want us to talk about MX Manager until the end. Okay, all right, we'll keep it to the end. Yeah. It's just like when that is a request that we've had. Okay, I'm just saying that when somebody shakes on a bet and is witnessed, then you have to, you know, there's a moral obligation to see yeah. this through. And when someone completely changes the terms of a bet, like, I don't. I've got times. witnesses to tell me that the bet was actually what we said. Yeah, but your witnesses have changed. I've, I've even gone out and bought you four t shirts. So you've got a fresh t shirt yeah. every day. Uh, what a guy. I don't think that was ever the bet. The bet, the, the bet never involved four t-shirts. The bet also never involved you wearing a black t-shirt instead of a lime green one, which I could have done in my right of just making you wear a t-shirt. So I'm just trying to be a nice guy here, and you're just being very, you know, you're not playing a game. Okay. Just, I'm just saying. I mean, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people out there. That's fine. I disappoint people regularly. Yeah. Regularly. And I see that you had a shave this week. Yes. I'm covering all my bases. Well... I'm a little bit disappointed as well because I thought you were going to grow it. Yeah. Why did you think that? Because it looked good. Okay. Yeah, you looked older. Okay. Yes, yeah. I don't want to look older. Okay. I'm young and free. There we go. It's for all the ladies out there. <laughs> He's young and free. 
Can we go back to Crowley and Geyser? Yeah, if we have to. Because you moved off that very quickly. Yeah. You actually caught me by surprise. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even realise that that was, a thing, that was happening. I, I did get very excited the weekend. What about? Just, uh, just at one point, but I'll let you go back to um, Crowley and Geyser. Uh, I did a poll on MX Vice yeah. yesterday. Uh, yesterday being Monday. No, yesterday being Tuesday. <laughs> and um, asked people if they really think Geyser is a legitimate threat to Crowley for the title. Yeah. Your answer. <laughs> oh, yes, your answer. Sorry, you're asking. Uh, yeah, I'm sat say, here drinking my okay, tea. Yeah, when I say your answer, I'm generally talking to someone other than myself, and you're the only other person here. Oh, I thought you were talking to your audience online. Yes, because I would say your answer. Okay, um, I think Geyser is, yeah. A legitimate threat. Yeah. Like, going to take it down to the last round. Uh, I, think, I think what we've seen this year is a different Geyser we, we, that we've spoken about. Um, right the way back to you know, Argentina. Okay, we got through the, the whole peak issue where, um, you know, it's crashing a few times. That seems to have got a little bit better, especially this weekend. And he's definitely got the pace. It's just a case of, of keeping it upright, I think. And if he does that, like he did the weekend, then um, 100%. And if you're telling me that there's, what, 12 rounds left? There was 12 rounds left, yeah. Then, what, 34 points over 12 rounds? Yeah. Yeah, if he can keep the consistency, he's got the speed, we know he can yeah, beat him. you're talking in ifs and buts though. If he keeps it on two wheels, if he does this, that's like me saying, if Hurlings manages to build a time machine and go back in time to the first round and not be injured. That's, that's completely, that, like, that is no, the worst you're, comparison you're basically, ta- you're basically taking a rider's weaknesses and saying, if he fixes that, then he's going to be good. Brilliant, thank you. Like, if, if Tonus uh, managed to find a little bit more speed... Yeah, he could have won at the weekend. Brilliant, mind-blowing, wow, amazing, uh, amazing. Can I just ask what the point is in, in asking me? Because I've just given you an answer and you've just shot no, me well, right back. I'm just saying... Brilliant. I'm just saying... Fuck off. I'm trying to, Fuck you. I'm building... I'm trying to get... This is, we've had this problem before. Someone commented on this on Instagram. If you forget, Fuck no, you, Instagram. No, someone has, some people have actually said this on Instagram. If, you, if I ask you for your opinion and then I disagree with your opinion... That isn't me being like, you don't need to get all aggressive and like disappointed. But people don't know you. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying I've to, had to put no, up with your shit for seven years. What I'm I know doing, exactly, you know what exactly doing, what buttons to push. What I'm doing is I'm asking you, I'm questioning your opinion so you build on it more. You're, you're saying if he keeps it on two wheels. But in order to be a title contender, you need to say, do you think he can keep it on two wheels? Okay, let's talk about this. Given that he's won the World Championship before and he's won an MX2 World Championship, he knows how to win championships. I believe now that we've seen a more mature and uh, what would say less person who's taken less chances, Geyser. Weren't in Mantua, were you? <laughs> yes, it was. No, you weren't. Oh, no, I wasn't, was I? <laughs> oh, my God. I was, wow. there. I was there in spirit yeah, on the barbecue. You weren't there. I was thinking Trentino. Mm. Fuck off. So, yes, I do believe he, I do believe he can. I do believe Geyser has everything available to him to take this down to the wire. I'm not there. I'm not. And why are you not there, Lewis? Thank you. Um, because Karate's motor scores this year, 1-1-1-2-1-1-2-2-1-1-2-2. How do you beat that? The only way you beat that is if you do what Hurlins did last year and just reel off one, 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 one. Like, yeah. that is what you need to do. But, but you were... I don't, s- think Caro- I don't think Geyser is in a point where, okay, he can go one, one on a weekend. I don't think he's in a, po- at a point where he can string three rounds of that together. But we've already discussed that um, the Caroli that we've seen this year is, uh, he's never been this good at the start of a year. Yep. So where are you going with that? Well, I'm just saying that the law of averages basically say at some point, 
something happens. Okay, okay, fair point. Uh, let me just refer to my uh, stat sheet here. Okay, so Crowley's never been this good at the start of the year. Take Hurlings out of it last year and he would have gone 1-1-1-1-1-1-3-1-1-1. So take Hurlings out of it last year and he would have started a season this well. When we say that, we're purely talking about scoreboard. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about fitness, like, oh, yeah, I stuck a heart rate monitor on him yesterday. Bloody, can't believe it. His heart rate's better than ever. Like, this start to the season prob may not be his best ever if Hurlings was out. Yeah. So you can't say that he's necessarily pushing harder or anything like that mm-hmm. and therefore expect a downfall. Yeah. I, I just feel that I think we're going to, Hurlings is going to be coming back. I, st- I still see Paul Ann winning a GP this year. I, don't. I still see that. I don't. I do. And I can't wait to be correct at the end of the year. That's fine. Because you, you shit all over me when I made that bet. Yeah. And I do still see him winning one. Um, you mentioned Hurlins there. Should I tell people what I learned? Please. Originally, uh, France was a little bit up in the air. From what I've heard or got told, uh, that's not going to happen. Yep. Russia is pretty much definite. Okay. Not, not definite, but close to it. Uh, and there's a chance in between France and Russia, there's a Dutch race, uh, Renan. There's a chance that he's going to return there, but I would bet that it's Russia, okay. which is actually a perfect place for him to return because um, quiet. Although, okay, it's not quiet as far as fans go because a lot of people go there, but it's quiet as far as, I don't know, there's just not as much, like, uh, what would you say? There's not as much media there. There's not as much, Yeah, I don't know what you'd say. Expectation. Uh, I don't know. I guess, what I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe the Russian fans aren't quite as in tune as what the French fans would maybe be. Wow, you just pissed off a whole nation. <laughs> not a good one either. No. <laughs> not when a guy wrestles fucking tigers. No, but you get what I mean. No, I just feel like it's a quiet... I feel like oh, it's... Putin's coming for you, baby. <laughs> I feel like it's a similar place. I, still, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's similar to returning... They've in, already hacked this podcast. I feel like it's... They know this shit. I feel like it's similar to returning in Indonesia or something. Even though there's a lot of fans there, I feel like you're just away from the limelight a little bit. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yeah, you did. Hand fast. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, Actually, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, one of the things I mean, that's, we, that's, uh, that's exclusive, by the way. Okay, very good. Uh, we discussed as well in the car. Um, I don't know if you remember the weekend about what carpool karaoke. I, I guess it's carpool bench yeah. racing. <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing about the Hurlins injury is 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 big. We've seen what happened to Bogus when he tried to come back uh, last year, earlier, and stuff like that. So yep. we can Bogus and Hurlins exactly same riders. Yep. No, it's not about the same rider, but same injury. So we, we know that, um, okay, different bodies, different genes, and all the rest of it. But at the same time, it's, it's a significant why, injury. I was going to make a terrible joke there. <laughs> you said different genes. I was going to say, why? Where did Bogus buy his from? Oh, yeah. That would have been funny, wouldn't it? No, no. The thing is, is Hurlins is coming back for nothing, basically. He's just coming back to, to win races because that's all he can do yep. now. He can't win a championship, so he's going to just come back. I don't know, he's only 285 points down. Well, I suppose there's still time. If it's anyone can do a championship it. left. If anyone can do it, Jeffrey can. Okay. All I'm saying is that, why should he rush it? Why should he rush back? And at the same time, what hurlings are we going to see coming back? Because it's not going to be the same hurlings as what we've seen destroying the field last year. Uh, I, we'll get uh, into predictions for hurlings in France, I guess after France and stuff like that, but 2-2 in Russia, 1-1 in Latvia. So you think a, a fit Hurlins comes back and beats Geyser? Straight up. Who said I, I didn't mention Geyser's name? Well, I'm just going from our previous question where you're saying that Caroli is going to go 
Well, 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 well. And no, Geyser's okay. at the moment is the second fastest, so... I, you've literally... No, I've just asked you a question that you don't want to answer. No, I, I think... So you're basically saying that Hurlins comes back and beats Geyser straight up. I think he... First up. race back. I get told that he's not going to, and that it's going to be a bit of a work in progress. Is that an expectation thing, then? Are they trying to lower expectations? It's just so goddamn good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, agree. I could see... I, think, I was going to say you come back at Russia and go 3-3, free, free, but then that's just seems low. I know, but... He will, but he will be. I cannot see him be getting beaten by, like, Sewer or someone. Okay. But who knows? Russia's probably actually a good track for him to come back at because it's so hard and slick that you don't really get, like, massive ruts unless it rains, obviously. But then I guess the same problem is it's hilly and hard and slick. It's quite easy to, like, dab a knee going down a hill or something. Or a foot. Yeah. Okay. But then you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. But uh, he will be a player in this title fight. Yeah. Even if... um. Like he, okay, say he goes, eventually he goes 1 1 1 1 1 1 1 to the end of the season when he's back to being the Jeffrey that we all know. That will help Caroli because, say, Geyser goes 2 2 and Caroli goes 3 3, which would effectively be what happened this week, past weekend, had Hurlings gone 1 1, if you're following me. Yeah. Geyser would have only gained four points as opposed to six. So, either way, I think Hurlings come about, coming back favors the guy who's already starting with an advantage versus the guy who's trying to make something up. Okay, and that once again lead, leads into why I believe I just can't, I can't get away from the fact that how does Crowley lose this title? How? And it's early to say that I know and like whatever, but I just I always find it difficult to bet against him or Herlins purely because of what that we've seen in the past. And maybe my outlook would be different if Geyser hadn't thrown it away at Mantua because then the gap would be what fourteen or something. So. Okay. A couple of things I wanted to speak to you about uh, from the weekend. Okay. Yep. Was right obviously coming into this weekend, Arminius Jasakonis um, has been in great form. And we've seen, uh, you know, we know he's a rough diamond and he's getting better, you know, with each GP. Still hasn't got the, you know, like significant GP experience like other people who's racing around him. But this weekend, uh, what did you get from Arminius? Because I know that we both interviewed him, but uh, I think mine was 40 seconds of... Uh, Arminus, and I think you got a more thorough interview. So what did you get from Arminus about this weekend? Uh, starts. He didn't okay. qualify well. Uh, I can't remember why. I think he crashed in qualifying on the first lap or something. He qualified 18th. Okay. And as we saw, as we alluded to every, uh, earlier, no one was really coming through. No. And I'm pretty sure he just spent the entire time uh, battling with Van Horbeek. Because okay. And Van Horbeek didn't have the greatest of days either. No, but he's coming back from shoulder surgery. So yeah. Another good interview with Van Horbeek after the race. What was he saying for those people who haven't um, listened to it? Like you, I'm presuming? Yeah, I'm, I'm one. Okay. Um, I like to ask these questions. I like to be the person on the other end of the microphone. Uh, he listening. had shoulder surgery after Trentino, which we all know. Uh, yep. He wasn't supposed to ride for six weeks. We probably are at six weeks now. So he started riding earlier than advised or should have. There's no danger of making the shoulder worse. But okay. he's weak. Yeah. And I didn't really understand what he was saying, but he said that like he wasn't supposed to start physical training immediately after surgery, but he did it two days after. And with a like um, stationary bicycle, they made like ropes that went up to the ceiling to like lift the bike up to put him in a comfortable position or something. Okay. I didn't really grasp. I've got an image in my head. Of like E.T.? <laughs> no. No, just no, like a I've floating an, bicycle. No, I've got an image in my head, I'm guessing like maybe just to raise the front or something, but then wouldn't you put books under it or something? But I, I'm not quite sure what that meant, but I, what I took it as is like it kind of did everything possible to be 
back in a position where... <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, but carry on. <laughs> no, I guess all I, t- all I took from it was that he basically put in a lot of effort to be back as soon as possible against doctor's orders, maybe. And yeah, that's good. Interesting. Hungry. And I'm a 150-grand budget, apparently, that team's got to get for a season. So wow. Because Van Horbeek, being a great interview that he has, he just tells people that now. That's great. He's just that open. It's nice. It's nice to have people that open and teams that open and stuff like that. It's great. Yeah, it's funny. Like I don't feel like. Interestingly, being open, um, Tommy was a lot more reserved this week and very happy with his bike. Given that uh, the last week's podcast, um, uh, 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 spit it out, Connor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so last week's podcast was um, mentioned that uh, he had a few issues with the bike about getting it for Christmas and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, uh, well, we, we knew this was happen. Obviously, we, when I say we, I mean me and the people who listen to my podcast, yeah. whereas you didn't. Mm-hmm. But he said that uh, pre-Mantova, he got, he raced uh, Canada Heights for the British Championship. First motor, he had the poor sail setting. Didn't work at all. And then because of the availability that they have with Boss UK, Evotech, they made big changes for the Moto2 at Canada Heights and found a setting that worked for him. Yep. But because the truck had already left for Mantova, he couldn't use that in Mantova because the poor cell setting was all that was on the truck. On the way from Mantova to Portugal, the team truck managed to swing by the workshop and pick up the settings that he liked from Moto2 at Canada Heights. So those were back on his bike this weekend, which he was happy with at Canada Heights. I think he lost that race, but I think by like 0.025 or okay. something. So clearly happy with it. And uh, yeah, that carried over to this weekend. When was that race? Canada Heights. Yeah, what's British that for? Oh, British Championship. Um, okay. Yeah, not in Canada. Okay. FYI. Cool. I know you struggle with these things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm guessing, and I'm guessing that kind of went quite well because uh, I feel like Canada Heights and the Grado aren't too dissimilar. Yeah. Maybe I'm way off, but similar surface, I feel like. Maybe. I wouldn't like to comment on that. But yeah, this uh, Tommy seems like, uh, oh yeah, and by the way, a clutch issue in the second race for Tommy. Yeah, I heard. Which is why he... Um, I think I told you that. I don't think... Uh, no, because I interviewed him. I think I told you that before the interview. Well, I didn't see you before the interview, so... Uh, yeah, I think I got that information before you. I'm not sure if he actually... I don't think he actually DNF'd, because I think he rolled around and got it to the finish, because I think it went out with like a lap to go, but didn't score points. Okay. And a lot of people getting on Tommy on MX Vice Facebook, and I have no idea where this has come from, because everyone was more than happy with his previous interviews that were really negative. And now suddenly he's given a positive interview and everyone is laying into him. What? I don't know why. What do you mean by laying into him? Do you want me to pull up our Facebook page? Yeah. Okay, what are people saying? Please hold. Okay. And when I say hold, I don't mean sit there blankly. Okay. Well, we know that Tommy has a few, you know, especially when it comes down to the nations and stuff like I just, that. I just like, how I, I just like how I say please hold and you go, okay, and then just stare at me like, no, no, that isn't what I'm asking for. Anyway, continue. He's like, very aggressive like, today, Rob. Say, you say, this is all stemmed from like, me designing just, a t-shirt like, I ask you with hold. Lewis I say, sucks. I say, please hold. You look at me, you go, okay. Like, that's fine, mate. You're not inconveniencing me. Take your time. Like, no, I'm just... Yeah, no, I'm just... I was going to sit oh. here and open a bottle of water. I, I thought that's what you were telling me to do. Um, internet's a bit slow in the office. Okay, it's like your brain. Uh, people just saying, think he needs some strong results going forward. Otherwise, I can't see many teams being interested in, in him. Um, moving forward with a 16th and a DNF. Haha, <laughs> don't make me laugh. I would name and shame these people. But... Wow. Uh, and then Pete Bonney has come in and defended Tommy. He gets, defend... he gets his name out there because okay. he's done a nice thing. And nice, Pete. Nice. Look at all these big names that regularly run up front in MX1 criticizing. It's true. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I like Tommy, but I'm afraid his results in MXGP have been piss poor. Okay. 
And then someone else, Reese Hardy's jumped in with, haha, what a joke these comments are. People do not realize how hard GPs are. Give Tommy a break. He's still out there mixing it up with the best in the world. The other thing as well is there are there is background to Tommy's results this year. Well, this is what, like, let's not forget people. Anyone want to remember Argentina Moto2? Anyone want to talk about that? He's running top five, isn't he? Yeah, top five. I think he uh, actually finished seventh, but he literally was top five of like two laps to go. That's right. And then the last lap, he got passed by two people. Yeah. I or, think it was February and someone else. Or he got passed by someone with February. two laps to go and then yeah. someone else on the last lap. But either way. Yeah. I think it was Decel and Paul Lamb because they were coming through the field. And Look at me of my memory. So I spoke to, um, it actually was, they both crashed in turn one together. You're impressed, aren't you? Look yeah, at that little smile. Look have. at that little smile. Fuck me. Oh. Let's get a timestamp. He's contributed something to the podcast. <laughs> Frick. Why was I going with that? We, we, were talk- me. <laughs> we were talking about Tommy and we were saying, look back to Argentina okay, yeah. when he's so, shown the speed. So for some reason, I don't know why, but people seem to now be not happy because he's positive. And I guess, people, I guess if I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, they're probably may, they're maybe reading into the interview in a way where they're saying, he's happy. Why is, yeah, why is he happy with a 16th? Now, so break that down. Suspension wasn't good the last few weeks. The team went in the wrong direction, and that's what Tommy said. Yeah. Quote, uh, word for word, I think he said, I think we just went in the wrong direction for a couple of races. So even if his results were better than Aguada, he felt like shit. Yeah. And was like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. How do I get better? I'm stuck, yeah. Yeah. So now Aguada came, and he finally made a bit of a breakthrough, and he said, I was happy with the bike. Like, forget results, forget everything. Yeah. I was happy from the start of the weekend. So he's now sat there going, this is the start. This is my round one again. Yeah. We're going to keep so this up So he's got a bike France. now. He's happy. He's got settings yeah. he's happy with. So instead of testing at the race, he's now racing again. Cool. And as uh, Max Ancy said to us at the weekend, there's a big difference between riding and racing. Yeah. And that's... when Tommy didn't have his correct settings on, he was just riding. That was a great insight, actually, when we were talking to, to Max because he came up to us because he was a bit bad and bruised from uh, race one. He opted to... Um, you know, stay out of race two. And he explained it. He explained perfectly to us. It's like, what is the point in rolling around in 21st, 22nd, 23rd, getting no points, there's nothing to learn, and I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah, and it's a different scenario, obviously, but at the end, it's the same outcome. Like, Max was riding around because he was hurt and couldn't push himself. Tommy was riding around previously because his bike wouldn't allow him to go and ride the as way fast he, as he can. Yeah. As he said last week's podcast, he's actually pretty handy on one of these motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Which we've seen in Argentina. Yeah, exactly. And like, I know people, people look at this and they're like, oh, British podcast, of course you like Tommy. No, I just, I, I just see that people are wrong. I think that's the, the, I think... And that stuff pisses me right off. But I think the thing is with us and it's, you know, we, we spent, I spent, a, you know, quite a few years sat on the, the sofa watching MXGP TV and they, they do a great job of, you know, showing the racing and uh, uh, Paul Mallon does a, a great job of, you know, doing the commentary and, and everything else. But still, it's not like being at the races. When you're at the races and you're, you actually get to see these things, you get to see the frustration with the riders, you get to talk to them, uh, you get to hear all the things behind the scenes, which hopefully we try to bring in on this podcast. That's what enables you to get a bit more of a, a detailed picture about what's wrong. Why, is it, why isn't something happening? It's not because they just wake up you know, one morning and just say, I'm not really feeling it today. It, there, are, there are things which go on behind the scenes, you know, um, big teams, small teams, everything. And it contributes. Each, each one of these little issues contributes. It could be 15 different issues or it could be one big issue, which is simply suspension. Or it could be 
uh, the bike doesn't get out of the gate, and we've seen how important the starts are this year. So I think whether it's Tommy, whether it's Max, whether it's Poulan, you know, it doesn't matter what nationality, what, where, where they're from, there is a story behind why riders are in the form they're in. I feel like Tommy summed it up pretty well. I'll just give you a little snippet from the interview. Okay, cool. Um, so I said, obviously, you're happy with suspension now. So I guess it's like your season starts now. Or like onwards and upwards, you can start to build on this thing and get to where you know you can be. And he said, yeah, I was happy at the beginning of the season as well, to be fair. We came in really good. I think we just went a little bit in the wrong direction for a couple of races, but now we're back moving the right way. I'm, he said, I'm going away from here. The result was not great, but I feel like now I have to go back and work hard. There are plenty of races left and I need to get some results now. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully it starts now so I can put in some good results. That just reeks of someone who's had a mental breakthrough, I think. Yeah, agree. So that's it. That's all it is. Like, and I don't think you can read too much into the results from a grader because it was hard to pass and look at the results. Everyone kind of started where they were finished. Think of it this way, right? We can all relate to this. We're, we're in our day-to-day jobs and you know what needs to be done to make your job be efficient and, and do well, yeah? So whether it's, I don't know, stacking shelves, being a mechanic... Uh, who knows, being a postman, you, you have a process, you have a way that you know works, whether it's like, you know, if, if, you, if you're a postman, you're doing a round, there's a reason why you, you do the round in the way that you do, because it's the most efficient way, and you know what works and what doesn't. It's the same thing for, I guess, for a rider, which if they know the settings that they need, they know how to prepare themselves, and if they're not having that, and they, they, then they know that it, they, they can't ride to the best of their ability. The same as you can't do your job, to the best of your ability, whatever your job is. And also, if you haven't got the right tools to do your job, you know, we, we can all kind of relate to that. It's like if you gave me a terrible laptop, how am I going to be able to do what I do? I've actually, I, been, I've, I've actually been told that I've given out bad laptops previously. I was going to go into more. I was going to say, if you gave me a Lenovo laptop, how would you expect me? Well, it's fucking got emails. You can do emails and you can surf the internet. <laughs> you, you do say this about my laptop a lot, but I, like, I'm running a lot of shit at once. So I need, and like, give me a... So this is a justification give for me you a having pen, a two and a half gram no, MacBook like, but Pro. Give me, a, give me a pen and a bit of paper and tell me to update the website. I, I can't believe we're actually bringing up laptops now. This is all stems from... Wait, what? What are you even talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, can, I can just tell. I don't even know what you're talking about. I can just tell. I genuinely don't know what you're talking about. This actually stems from you not having a MacBook Pro with the... Uh, what is it you want? No, really it want? wasn't. No, what is it you really want? The touchpad. <laughs> but you're missing <laughs> the point completely. What I was saying was, a mad like, tell me to update the website with a pen and a bit of paper, because I'm not sure if you're aware, you know a pen that. and a bit of paper doesn't have online on it. Doesn't okay. have a, doesn't have the internet. Right. So I wouldn't be able to update the website, would I? No, no, you wouldn't. But I'm just saying that you can get a £297 laptop, which does go online. I know. Just saying. I didn't say otherwise, but okay, brilliant. Just saying. So clearly, you've got deep issues. I have got deep issues. But we'll move on. They're really deep. Okay. Well, actually, that's a good point to... Let's, let's have a little break, and then we oh, can really? talk about MXGP after. Yeah. I think that's about I, I, mean, I mean, we have like three riders left in MXGP, but fair enough. No, because I want to talk a little bit about my interview the weekend. Who with? Artem. Oh. It's very important. Okay. Actually, we've still got to talk about Max as well. Yeah. I've got about 20 minutes on that. Yeah, right. That's cool. Okay. Um, we'll see you in a bit. Yeah, Max. For everything in the world of motocross, head to MXVice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MXVice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. BMX Good to be back. I'm James Burford, if you didn't already know. In the uh, studio with me is uh, El Pedro. 
<laughs> this is this, nothing sums you up more than that. So this is your joke. You're proud of this joke. What? It was El Diablo. Yeah. You said El Pedro. Because I think you definitely look more like a Pedro now. Okay. Nice nice save. Yeah. You really rolled out of that one well. No, no, that no, it is El Pedro. Except after looking at a Napoleon Dynamite the weekend and it was uh, Vote Pedro, you definitely look like Pedro. Because I don't know what happened, but literally, when I got in this morning, you were all clean shaven, and then within, what, an hour, your moustache has grown back. It's because this being around you ages me. I mean, I can't stop looking at it again. How does that work? That is fucking unbelievable. Sounds like crime watch. I don't know, but an hour, you've you've grown a moustache in an hour. If you can't stop staring at me, that definitely sounds a bit crime watch. It's like you've just gone out and got a pen and just put, like, little things on there. I don't know what you're talking about. No, like on your lip. No, yes. I, okay. Great, great tool, great tool. I, 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 I just can't stop looking at it now. Okay. Okay, so, Pedro. Um, your obsession with me is getting a bit weird. Ansty. Oh, Ansty. Bad weekend. I, I just don't... Bad time, just... I don't know if he's... Do you want to know what I reckon? Why not? I reckon he picked up a black cat drop kicked it and as it was flying through the air it went through a ladder yeah and then when it landed on the ground it landed on a mirror and smashed it to bits is it bad luck going through a mirror sorry going through a ladder yeah if you walk under a ladder that's bad luck but what about going through it so if you send a cat through a ladder how is he under the ladder he's still under the ladder how through it what happens if the ladder <laughs> is upright someone's holding it upright and the cat's just gone through it's not it's, it's like that it's well like, you need to it's explain in, that. it's in the pyramid shape it's going through the legs well say that a ladder is up against a wall and then but just he, because I shit on your joke doesn't mean you need to shit on mine okay so it's very tit for tat come on it's not tit for tat Pedro either way poor Max like Jesus like I don't know I don't understand how someone can like it's just insane like yeah. actually insane what the hell is happening? Some like he's cursed. Seriously. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've got no explanation for it. It's so just for people that don't know, he crashed in the qualifying race. Well, going back to Mantova, he got a stomach to the gut, missed all of his vital organs or whatever you want to call them. So that was good. He was sore, bit uh, beaten up, but rode at Aguada, happy as Larry. Qualifying race was going well, started around 10th, moved up to 6th, looked really good, like intensity was good, everything was there, it was really, really good, and then crashed, tipped over in a corner. An unassuming crash, nothing really worth writing home about, but he must have landed on a rock, which split his arm open, uh, he required five stitches overnight, and uh, at that point, with his gut, elbow, arm, and everything that's happened to him this year, he was just so beaten up that... Um, decided to call it a day and he's going to miss the MXGP of France as well just to try and get back to 100% and then wipe the slate clean in Russia. So have you heard from Max at all? He's just going to stay off the bike, just literally just trying hill up in... in... I don't know if he's going to do the Dutch Masters at Renin before Russia, but you'd think so. Like, because it's not... He hasn't got a broken arm or a broken finger where he needs to sit out. It's literally just he's so beaten up. Just needs to, it just needs to get his body to recover. Yeah, it's yeah. like, but honestly, I know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it kind of goes back to the Tommy thing of saying like, oh, it's a British rider. It is just bad luck. Yeah. Because, okay, he crashed. It was his fault. He crashed, rider error. Fair enough. The chances of landing on a rock and it splitting your arm open to the point where you need stitches are like so slim. How many other people, okay, this proves it's bad luck. Look at Chervelin and uh, 
Laranaga's crashes. Those were massive. And, well, actually, Laranaga didn't walk away unscathed, but Servalin, Chervalin, walked away unscathed. Compare that to Max's crash, and Max's crash was just tiny. Yeah. But it just, when it rains, it pours, and bad luck, bad luck. Yeah. But he'll be back, and as I've said all along, his speed's good. He couldn't podium. And I actually, uh, his rookie season, he had three overall podiums in MXGP. Uh, sophomore season, three podiums in MXGP. I think he'll have three podiums again this year. One rider who was injured last year um, had uh, surgery on his arms for arm pump this year. Definitely, I believe, is uh, someone who just keeps surprising me is Patriot. Didn't get the results to justify that statement this weekend. But again, consistent. He was, in the, he was up there. He was in the battles, but just faded a little bit uh, through the motors, I guess just because of race pace, uh, training. I guess he's still a bit like holding off and everybody else still sort of coming back to, to fitness. I haven't been impressed with Patriot or as impressed with Patriot as I was since week one. Like, if you look at where he was in Trentino, then the progress should have gone somewhere. Yeah. Like, he hasn't flatlined. He's gone backwards. I'm, yeah, I think that's a bit unfair because there's, there's points within the, the qualifying and, race, and races where he's just looking really good. I think it's, it's a fitness thing. I mean, it's I haven't spoken months. to him. Six, six months. It's been six weeks. Yeah. Since he, got, since he started racing again. He got back on the bike the week after Matterley. Or before Matterley. Either way, that's two months. Yeah. It'd be good to have a conversation with him this weekend and find out. Um, I can text him if you like. Do it. Shall I see if oh, I get a reply? Just name dropping? No, but shall I see if I get a reply before the end of this podcast? Yeah, do it. That'd be good. I'll talk a little bit about uh, a couple of other riders while you're doing that. One, one which uh, standout ride for me was Bry Lyakov the weekend. Uh, interestingly, race one, he was in around 15th, 16th place, doing quite well, and literally what appeared to be a hole in his engine. Uh, grounded the bike to a halt, which is a real shame. So that kind of scuppered uh, race one for him. But race two just, just kept coming through. I mean, his fitness is, is definitely on point. And he's running a stock engine, uh, I found out from the team. So um, KTX suspension, uh, stock engine, and uh, he put in, I think it was the 16th. Yeah, I believe so. So at that level, I thought, I thought it was a great ride, standout ride. And interesting that he was on a stock engine, considering Tommy's also riding with a standard Kawasaki engine. So Ooh, That's an interesting point, because we found out quite a lot the weekend. I mean, we probably shouldn't say half of it. I don't know. I don't even remember what you're talking about. But there, there are a lot of riders which are opting to, to go for a stock engine. Yeah, power down. I find that really interesting that they've had them tuned, now they're having them kind of detuned or getting a new bike and just having nothing done to it. Which actually... You know, there's particular bikes or particular manufacturers which are, you know, this is, you know, teams and bikes are choosing to do this. And I think it says a lot about the, the, the bikes. They're that good. Yeah, I guess it's just a constant progress of things. But Tommy, like, swears down on and off a record. Like, he's happy with a standard Kawasaki engine. Yeah, he's he actually strong. He actually, so he started the season with a standard Kawasaki engine in Argentina, moved forward with it to make it faster, and is now back on a Kawasaki standard engine. Yeah. Which says a lot. Like, what an advert for Kawasaki. Yeah. Who don't sponsor this podcast, but... No, we'll share maybe they should. We'll share the love. Yeah. Okay. Think of the adverts they could have then. Oh. <laughs> uh, did you want to talk a little bit about Kevin Strybos? Because he had a bit of a, a nightmare the weekend. Uh, yeah, just crashes, crashes, crashes. Says his elbows are still building back up. Elbows? Elbow. 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 Yeah. And, uh, don't start making rumours. No, I just, I just wonder. What are you wondering? I don't know. Like, I just wonder... But by all accounts, his elbow isn't 100%. And he said it's hard to come back after two operations on the elbow. He still needs more bike time, but it's not easy as I still have elbow problems. 
That's worrying. So he had elbow surgery all. Uh, he had elbow issues all last year. Had surgery after Imola. Yep. Everything was supposed to be fine. Came yep. back. It wasn't fine. He's had surgery again. Everything was supposed to be fine. He's came back. Is this not fine again? Like, yeah. Is he going to have to pull the plug again? Yeah, it's not. It's not good. Let's hope it's. Uh, but let's hope it's positive. But then it's so. There's so many. Um, Weird old question marks for that because, uh, like I said, he had the same elbow issue all of last year and um, he had, did have some good rides. Like Imola, he was ninth in the second race. So, like, how restrictive is it? Is this now worse than last year? Is this still an improvement? Like, don't yeah. really know. Confused. So, can I tell you about what I'm excited about? Uh, Artem Guria? <laughs> yes. Um, you might want to explain, like, number 555, Okay. Solana. Number 555, number one in James's heart. He's like a, uh, a Russian Tony Craig. So everybody knows my, uh, you know, I'm a big fan favourite of Tony Craig. How's your support of Tony Craig coming along? Well, it's not been good since I've been banned from the British Championship. <laughs> so um, I'm there in Did spirit. Did he get his kit? You got him kit? Did he get yeah, his kit? Oh, um, yeah, uh, Lee from BRP um, Imports has got him uh, set up with uh, Kenny kit. Oh. So big thanks to, to Lee. Really appreciate that, Kenny and uh, Kenny France. Anyway, back to Artem Guriev. Yeah, so very excited because uh, we got put on his radar by uh, the legend uh, that is Ray Archer. And basically explained that him and his family are literally, you know, live in a caravan throughout the week, take the caravan racing. And um, yeah, he's from Russia, just literally doing all the European GPs and uh, managed to catch out of him the weekend. So I got a... Uh, an interview, his first ever interview, um, which is crazy. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited about following his progress this year. Can I say the joke that I was saying on Sunday night? Or yeah, go on. Offended? No, 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 I won't get offended. Okay. Yeah. So, so, Artem told you that he reads MX Vice and reads all of the rider interviews and stuff. And yeah. He was stoked that he was getting an interview by MX Vice. Yeah. Imagine how disappointed this guy would have been like, I finally got my interview on MX Vice. I finally got it. Oh, wait, it's James. <laughs> like, I just. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. It, yeah, that's really hurt. That's hurtful. Like, just imagine, like, I've done it. I finally made it. Oh, shit, it's him. <laughs> I've got my sent out. <laughs> wow. If ever, you said you weren't going to be offended. If ever anybody's turned into a rock star. You said you weren't going to be offended. I'm not offended. It's just that he might, if, he listen, if he reads MX Vice, he might listen to these podcasts and yeah. realize you don't really know what's going on. <laughs> well, at the same time, I'm just, I've just actually run over my headphone cables. So I'm just going to get out of my wheel. Makes, makes um, a you ran over your uh, headphone cable, but I just ran over you with a bus. <laughs> I can't believe I've been run over by Pedro. Um, so yeah, it's funny. Everyone in the press room was laughing. I was telling everyone this joke because it was yeah. funny. Oh well, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with him next in France, wow. and just okay. um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just say, do, do you want uh, me to do the interview this week, or do you want me to send over my Mexican friend Lewis? So you can notice him because he's got a T-shirt on which says Lewis sucks. Okay. Yeah. So okay. how are you feeling about that? How good? How long was your interview with Artem? Uh, about three minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, as editor of MX Vice, obviously I need to put it on a website. It yeah. hasn't landed on my desk yet. Is there a reason for this? It's a video. Okay, I still haven't yeah. received any kind of proof or... Well, the video team and myself have been discussing uh, where to place this okay. content. It's just it's Wednesday now and I'm yeah. kind of wondering. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. yeah uh, if you could just report... It'd be with you. If you could just report to head office after this podcast, yeah, that'd be great. You. No one likes a smart ass. Right, so Did we're you done. Did that? We had fun. We're done. Uh, MXGP done. What about... Brian Bogers. I was called a dick. You wanted to, you, you yelled at me last week when you were like, wow, I got, I've got no second in a moto. Wow. And I went, I don't know. I don't know, James. Mantova, yeah. the Saturday was hard. 
But his first moto wasn't great. I no, don't know. I've got no defense. But, I'm going to hold my hands up and say I've got no defense. I have no fucking idea what happened. Are you realizing, like everyone else, it's really easy to say that I'm wrong? But then yeah, I, I, here I, I come. Yeah, I'm going to put my hands up. I, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know how you go but, from uh, second to not scoring points. But if you want to look at the nice guy angle, which, as everyone knows, I'm a nice guy. I think everyone in the pits would agree to that. <laughs> no, I don't think you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody thinks you're an utter. Yeah. Um, so he got beaten by Anton Goal. Would you expect him to be beaten by Anton Goal? Runt. Would you expect him to beat Anton Goal? I don't know. No, you would. You would. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wasn't. I was kind of setting you up to say yes. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, you'd expect, I don't agree, but okay. yes. You'd expect him to beat Petr Petrov? Considering uh, Petrov's on a North Europe KTM? Well, I, okay. I guess this is the problem. He's on a HRC Honda. Um, so I'm guessing he's on a factory bike. He's a factory rider. So I'm guessing you have to put that expectation on him. But uh, that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, true. Either way, it's a contract year. It ain't looking good. Yeah. Might have to start. I don't know. Do you go to teams and like his agent, or if he's even got an agent, and slap down a bit of paper on uh, the table that just says second in Moto2 at Mantova and be like, this is what we bring. Hmm. And then when they go, what about the rest of your results? Nah, no one cares about those. Yeah. He's got a second, eh? <laughs> yeah. No one could take what, that what about, what about the rest of your results? What results? <laughs> I don't know, but like, I feel like he needs more. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you do? What do you say? What do you do? It's, it clearly can't work. He was second in a moto last week and yeah. not holding people up. Now, yeah, it was mud, but it, was, it required skill. You had to know how to ride a 450 correctly to get around there. One thing which puzzled me the weekend, we've not mentioned him, was Lupino. Looked great on Saturday in qualifying. Obviously got a great start. And then I put him in my MX manager team. I was very happy about that. And then Sunday just kind of fizzled out. It um, starts, I guess. I don't know. I was a bit just, just a bit. But then he it? started top six in the first race. Then finished what? Ten. I feel like Lupino is one of those guys where no one really has expectations of him. Well, I do, especially okay. when I put him in my MX manager team. <laughs> but I just feel like no one's like no one knows what to do with him. Mm. Okay. Well, let's move on anyway. Let's talk about MX two, um, and uh, obviously Prado. Uh, and you liked my insight from uh, being at the barbecue. Oh, you want to talk about qualifying? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that on the, on the Saturday, it, I, this is the second week in a row where he's not looked, is he, is he just luring us into a false sense of, you know, bringing well, down the, the expectations and then on the Sunday just goes out? While you were interviewing Artem Guriev, <laughs> yeah, I was interviewing Jorge Prado. Okay, yeah, nice. Still don't know if that's the correct way to say it. Um, I asked him... Jorge. Jorge, that's what I say, but I hear people say it a different way. Well, also, we've been saying Brilyakov wrong. It's Brilyakov. Brilyakov, yeah. No, I say that right. I don't think you do. I do. Do you? Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> say Boarami. Boarami. Did we actually mention our... He's, he's, yeah. MX, he's MX2. Yeah. We're just moving on to MX2. Great ride. Okay, we're not Some starting with great, him. Great, great ride um, the weekend. So, uh, where did he come in the second race? <laughs> second race has been got sit for seventh, didn't he? No, DNF. left. <laughs> Second race? <laughs> yes. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, didn't he? Oh, was he it? did. Yeah, it was the first race. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't yeah. his fault. Anyway, yeah. anyway, we're not starting with that. Prado. Okay. So uh, while you're interviewing Artem Guriev, I um, was speaking to Prado. Yeah. Because, as a, because as a team, we have all bases covered. Yeah, I mean, I'm there for, for the people. Okay, so I said to Prado, uh, another 1-1. One, one. You've done that a lot. But it was not your most dominant weekend. Uh, just like run through it all and explain that. 
And his reply was, it was a great weekend. Saturday, I felt good. It was fun battling with these guys because normally sometimes I just get the start and kind of pull away a little bit. Fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this Saturday was kind of different. Kind of get bored. This Saturday was kind of different. I had to battle with them. It was good because I'm not so used to it. So it was good to get some experience. Um, today, I already felt good in wow. warm-up. I decided to put a good lap in and get the best time already in the warm-up. I was feeling good. In the first moto, I got a perfect start and started pulling, pulling away. That first moto came... I wouldn't say easy, but I had a good pace. Uh, everything was flowing. I didn't use much. I did not use much energy, but the second moto was tough. Now, this is my favourite bit. Um, <laughs> it gets better. Oh, this, this was a great interview. Like, Prado was loving it. Like, there were so many funny jokes. Right. So, um, second moto, I got the whole shot, and then in the first downhill, in a double line, I just went to the inside, and it was full of mud, so I got stuck, and Mitchell Evans went completely outside and passed me. I was like, whoa, who is this guy going around the outside? It is a Honda guy? It's Evans. <laughs> he was pushing a lot. I did not expect him to go like that. He is a really good rider, but he was riding very well. Uh, from the back, it was cool. I was like, I need to pass this guy quick because I saw the guys behind. Um, so that's that funny bit. Okay. Uh, oh, this was interesting. Uh, we were riding very hard fast, pushing a lot every lap and the whole race. It was quite intense all the time. I'm pretty fit, so I could handle it until the end. These guys in the back, five minutes to go, they kind of were a bit over the fight. I had that breathing room in the last three laps. I decided to cruise a little bit and take home the win. I don't know who these guys in the back are. Like, if he's talking about the back markers? I don't know. Maybe he's talking about second and third. I don't I was a bit confused. But um, another funny thing, because uh, uh, you've never been to a grader, but after the waves, there's like a corner wall jump thing. Prado would uh, double down the hill from that. Yeah. So you've got corner wall jump and then a step down. Yeah. He would like jump into the step down. Uh, so I said, uh, every year we come here after the waves, you've done that sick corner jump down the hill. Did you pull it again this weekend? And his reply was, I'm getting old. I do not do such crazy stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm joking. I saw it every year. But every year I come here and I make the track walk on Friday, I say, it is more difficult. It is the same. I still think it is possible because I did it. But once I'm on the bike, I'm like, why risk? Maybe two years ago, I liked more of the risk. But now I'm in a position where I'm like, do I really need to make it? I am like, no, I don't need to make it. Wow. It is okay. a right to go fast in other places and compensate this time. I feel like I maybe read out too much of that interview, and I'm sorry if you didn't want an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you should think about doing that voiceovers. Yeah, but sure. um, yeah, that was the Prado interview. No, Funny. that's a good interview. Yeah, I like it. Well done. Good job. But you should listen to it because it's quite funny. Like the way he says, like about Evans, where he's like, "Whoa, who is this guy?" And then he like praises his voice, like it's Evans. It's quite funny. Cool. Cool. Let's talk about. Uh, second and third because Olsen and Jacoby yeah we'll talk about second and third because we agreed that Prado is just fine yeah Prado okay. Prado's good so uh, he's um, got the red plate now if only if only there was a podcast where someone predicted that it'd have the red plate after Portugal and someone else on the podcast said no you're crazy it will be France now where what podcast was that uh, um, I don't know no no, no. Anyway, so uh, the weekend, I say second and third because uh, Evans got third overall, but Jacoby and Olsen were really pushing on Saturday. And uh, obviously, we, we talked about on the, on the uh, Saturday show. Thank you very much. I can always forget what we call it. I don't even know what we call it. Saturday show. Just a Saturday <laughs> just show. Just told yeah, you. Okay, yeah, cool. But yeah, it was, it was two impressive rides. And then we didn't have, I would say... At the same intensity in race one we, from Jacoby. We did not. <laughs> no. Was it Roger on his team? No, but would you agree? Oh. Um, 
To be honest with you, I can't really remember Moto 1. Actually, no. Moto 1, intensity. I've actually got notes from Moto 1. Okay. Hold up. Let me go to my notes. On my I phone. like it when you've got your notes. Yep. Um, Better cut this, um, so, this gap out, that'd Rob. Be, that'd, that'd be another <laughs> point where uh, I need you to hold for Mike. But um, well, I was just looking at the results, to be honest. Cut, okay. this, cut, that, <laughs> cut, cut that one out as well, Rob. <laughs> He's on form today. So Jacoby was second and running second and pushing Prado pretty good. Yeah. He was the fastest rider on track at points and wasn't letting Prado get away. Like he kind of had, didn't, he had the pace. Yeah. He wasn't closing, but he had, he could match it for a little bit. So his intensity was good. Okay. So I was wrong. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've just ascertained that everything I just said was total bollocks. Uh, and he was going to get second. Uh, Olsen passed him two laps to go. And then he was going to get third, but he crashed in the waves and finished seventh, I think. Okay. So well, he would have been more in the mix for the overall podium, but crashed in the waves with two laps to go. And I didn't see it, but I don't think the cameras caught it either. But by all accounts, it was a gnarly one. Maybe I just went halfway through that race. Um, yeah, but it was the beginning of the first yeah, halfway. I don't, know what, I, I don't know what happened. Um, interestingly, he did say on Instagram that he was really, really pleased with the weekend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, check it out. Jacoby is um, this year's Ben Watson. Because he's fourth overall, no matter what. He can ride amazing, fourth overall. He can have a bad weekend, fourth overall. Yeah. Fourth overall. And I, I think, actually, I did see his Instagram because it seems like a bit of frustration is starting to seep in with a fourth overall streak. Yeah. I got, when you actually look at where he's come from, because he's in his last year with Sterry and he's came up through with, with Sterry through MX250, MX2, you've got to believe that. that I, 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 I believe that the last two years, he's really you know, come on strong. I mean, especially when he had his kind of privateer effort on the, was it STC? Was it a privateer? Yeah, or? STC, Husqvarna. Yeah. Um, well, they already built a team around him, but um, I, I was really impressed last year. And But there was also signs at the end of, what, 17? So, like 18 and then, and then this year, he's just looking, you know, I think he's one of the most improved riders in MX2. It's another one of those things where it's easy to forget as well it's easy now to say, like, this is Jacoby, this is what we expect. Before Argentina, if you'd said this was going to happen, most people would have called you crazy. Yeah. Because everyone expected a step up, but this is a step up. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, that, I guess it's, uh, when you look at people like um, Ram, uh, Ram Van Moosdijk, is when you, um, you look at those riders and you think, how much potential, how, how, much, how fast can they be? How much potential um, can they grow? Like to put, him, put it into perspective, he went uh, 10 rounds last year without finishing in the top seven in a moto. Really? Yeah. Uh, that 10 round span being between France and Assen. Okay. Interesting. That like, just gives you a bit of hindsight. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. Okay, let's talk about Olsen. Uh, Saturday was the best ride I've ever seen Olsen have. Phenomenal. Oh, really, really good. Phenomenal. Oh, definitely. It was great. I reserve phenomenal for like, Oh, come I don't on. just throw that word around. Literally. I'd say Geyser in Trentino was phenomenal. The Jacoby Prado battle w- was, was awesome. But the way that they were so wrapped up in attacking and defending, that Olsen literally just pipped both of them and then checked out. Yeah, that was, and I feel, I feel like that would have been a massive mental thing for him as well to do that. Yeah. Hugely. I just wonder if the boost that he got from that carried over even though he didn't replicate it on Sunday, or if that's been wiped off now because yeah, I don't he know. didn't replicate it on I, Sunday. So did you speak to him at all? Who else? Yeah. No, I couldn't find him. Okay. He's, he's not exactly small, so you can't miss him. I, I've seen him quite a few times in the okay. pits, but I, I reserved the top riders for you because okay. I know that you like to talk to him. Yep, You're quite fine. of elitist, aren't you? Well, I've got, I got plenty of top riders, so thanks. Yeah. So uh, You okay. did interview Paul in, though. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Brilliant. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was. Where's that? That hasn't landed on my desk either. No, it's just uh, it's for the video okay. team. Yeah, I, I just you know I talk to the uh, Sean who runs the video team, and I just tell him about what sort of riders I've got, and then we work out what so maybe party interviews with okay. footage we got. So you're not involved in that creative uh, landscape. So if you know, just maybe just comment on stuff you understand about. Okay, so I wonder what Olsen's mindset is at the moment, because he's proven that he's the second best rider. Maybe not by much. And actually, I maybe question myself even saying that. Okay, maybe he's not the second best rider, but he gets it done to Mm -hmm. the point where he typically is the second best rider as far as the results go. Yeah. Now, if you look at the points, he's got a a 50-point plus lead over Jacoby in third. Yeah. And now he's lost the red plate to Prado. It's fair to say he isn't going to challenge Prado enough where it's an amazing battle and going down for the wire. Fair? Yeah. Fair. Now, Jacoby's so far back that it would take a disaster for him to catch up and give him a race. Yeah. So, like, Olsen's almost in this weird no-man's land. Yeah. And I, I, I just wonder where he goes from here. Like, does he move forward or go back? Or uh, it's, a, it's a good point because if he's kind of thinking about next year and you've got riders, you know, next year he's kind of thinking, if I stay down, then it... It's looking, you know, I've got to be next in line. If Prado goes up, I've got it next in line for, you know, the way I'm riding and everything else for second overall. But that might not be the case because with the emergence of Vial, although disappointing weekend, but with the emergence of Vial this year, with the emergence of Evans, with um, Maxime Renault, with Van Moosdijk, with Gers, these riders have not hit their, you know, nowhere near their peak, are they? But you could would, would 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 it be a fair assessment that maybe Olsen can't go faster than where he currently is because he's a big guy on a two fifty bike? I don't know about that, but he hasn't changed much in the last couple of years. Yeah. So do you think he's kind of hit the ceiling to where he can? It's, it's he tough. Can it's, go on a two fifty. It's almost disrespectful to say that. So I do think I think there's room for improvement. I don't yeah. think there's drastic room for improvement though. Okay, but but um, am I right in saying, and not trying to be disrespectful, but am I right in saying that um, riders like uh, Renault, Vial, Gerrits... Renault? Yeah. Renault? Yeah. Cool, pulled that one out. Yeah, but w- w- would I be right in saying that these riders have, have got a lot of room to improve? They, you know, they've not hit their, yeah, their, but their it's, peak. It's almost like we were just saying, like the consistency factor of Olsen. He may not be the second best rider in this class. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that. He's the second best rider as far as results go, just because he seems to get to that. He's got that consistency. Yeah, from I'm just asking the questions. You're, you're the expert. I'm oh not, yeah, I'm no, just but that's kind what I'm of... saying. Like maybe these riders will improve to a point where they're better than him, but it's that consistency thing that Olsen's got down to a T. Okay, and that's it's like a whole compilation of things. Okay, okay, Co- compilation, compilation. Okay, cool. Mitch, great ride. Mitch has gone. Mitch's a uh, six race GP career has had it all. Uh, first podium, like great feelings. Injuries, yep. Rock bottom, and he's been struggling injuries, with a lot of injuries. Riding through injuries, yeah. pain, and now back to the yeah. top again. Like it's been an intense whirlwind of a six weeks. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, we've got a podcast on Friday with Mitch Evans. We including me? Oh, actually, no, no, me, uh, Mitch, and myself. That's confusing. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, you're not invited. That's fine. Um, I'm sure he'll be disappointed by that. Yeah, he said that uh, he has, you know... When you interview riders, do you make them wear a name tag so you remember who you're talking to? 
No, he just said like uh, he wants to do. Uh, he said he wants to do a podcast with me, not the Mexican one. So I don't know what that means. But when I was, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, talking to Mitch the weekend, I like said to him, "We'd we'd talk about it soon." But like, obviously, the news came out: Calvin Flanderen is going to be out now for a little while. Yep, he had an infection in the in his ankle. Yep. So he's gone for surgery or had surgery. He's going to be out again for a little bit. Uh, and I said to you know Mitch, um, maybe we can get some HRC parts. And his reply was, "Just give me the black handlebar pad and the and the seat." That's all he wants. He's so happy with that 114 motorsports bike that he doesn't want anything. And I think that's, you know, a cool statement just to say how well that team, given that that was their debut season last year and they've already got a bike, which they feel, you know, is on, you know, in, in a great place. And we've seen that he's, you know, he's, he's up there. He's, he's able to, to lead a race. He's, Two podiums and six races. Yep. And looking at Sakamoto, like he pulled a start or a good start on a whole shot, but so clearly that's not a problem. Bike's got power. And uh, it wasn't like Prado was just eating him up. Like, no. so clearly the whole package works. And uh, I've just inspected the 114 bike for the first time to see what this crack is about the uh, black seat yep. and the black bar pad. And uh, yeah, I agree. I yeah. A, I think a black seat would go a long way. Okay. And therefore, therefore a black bar pad. Okay. So we're just seeing two, two uh, parts which are more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, because uh, the seat's kind of purple. Okay. Doesn't match for blue on the shrouds. So there we go, Livia. If you listen to this, then uh, we back uh, Mitchell's statement. Well, and, and it wouldn't, Lewis does. And I it wouldn't work if a, blue, if a seat was the same blue as the shrouds because it's too blue. Okay. Yeah. But, but we did learn something. It's been my common theme on this podcast. I've been so confused by why there's not a 114 logo on the shroud. Because okay. last year it was massive and this year it's just kind of a red, like stock Honda looking away. Okay. So why? We've got, and thanks to Mitch Evans for reminding me to ask this question because I would have failed again. Uh, okay. Because I always forget. Cool. Um, it's because they need a title sponsor or they want a title sponsor. Which makes sense because if you have your logo there, it almost looks like there's no room to play with. Right. Okay. And so that's why. There is a 114 Motorsports logo on it though. I think. That's small. Yeah, where did they say? It was either on the front mudguard or the front fork yeah. guard. So if you're looking for a front an up-and-coming team uh, with a great rider, then... Uh, oh, yeah, there, there it is, the bottom of the front mudguard. Wow. So, yeah, if you're looking, for, if you're looking to, to come into a team, total sponsor, there we go. I can sleep easy now. Very good. MX Vice Honda? MX uh, Vice 114 Motorsports Honda? No, uh, we can't afford it. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're down to our last few quid. Oh. Yeah, so uh, we managed to just get some T-shirts for this weekend. Um, and that's it. We're we're out. Oh, so, uh, well, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Okay. But 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 but. So Mitch said to me, his goal or what he's working towards is winning a moto this year. Can he do it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know actually. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> no, because I just Prado is a machine. It will come. It, it just comes down to this. Um, Aguado sums up exactly what I've been saying. You've just got to rattle Prado on the first few laps. Had Mitch not managed to get past Prado in turn three or whatever, Prado would have just got into his normal routine and gone. Yeah. But because Mitch managed to get ahead of him and make a difference, Prado then sat behind him for a while because he couldn't do anything with him. No. So, and it was the same in the qualifying race. Like, he, uh, Prado would pass Jacoby and Jacoby would get him right back. And I, be- I do believe that kind of rattles Prado a little bit because it's just something he's, he's not, not used to. to. It. No. Yeah. And that is the key. If anyone wants to win a moto... Okay, you might not get a whole shot over him. You better pass him on the first lap. Yeah. Because 
You're screwed otherwise. So that's it. So that's all you've got to do. Yeah. So um, for any of those riders out there in MX2, if you want to beat Prado, you're probably not going to uh, out-hole shot him, but just make sure you pass him on the first lap. Yep. Easy to do. Um, at that point, then... I will um, be releasing a Lewis Phillips Riding Tips DVD in the not-so-distant future. Cannot wait for that. It's going to be massive in Mexico. So let's uh, let's look down the list. Okay. Talk us through. Again, I'm going to need more than that. <laughs> let's look down the list. Talk us through. Well, talk us through what? I, I think Maxime Renault. He's been I don't really simmering to... this year. Give on that. Really? I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know enough. Do you even do you even go to the races, bro? I feel like I just don't know enough. Like this is because you just spend a lot of time with the top three, and then outside the top three, you don't really bother. I've with got it. a lot to say about Moose Dyke. Well, that's because you're jumping on my bandwagon. Just because your bandwagon's not oh, yeah, working. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah. Everybody taking a piss at the start of the year. Ooh, he's an EMX two fifty rider. Ooh. Well, that was true. Well, obviously, that still is true. I'm just saying that maybe Kawasaki should have come and spoke to me and, you know, had a little conversation about expectations. Because... I, think, I think Kawasaki are fine having him under a two-year deal. I think Kawasaki right now are probably rubbing their hands together like... I think they are. He looked so good. Like, and he was one rider that was able to come through. He seems like he's really bought into the Deruva training program as well. Like, yeah. I think that's going to work really well as that develops. We did, we did actually say the weekend that we want to find out more about FNH because... That team is really, really well put together. It is a well-oiled machine. And they seem to be, they, they seem to have the right ingredients, don't they? I'd say so. I'd be interested to know if Kawasaki, like, at some point, ask for them if they want to um, take over the factory Kawasaki effort for MX2, which obviously doesn't exist at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't. But that almost seems like a logical step Do in the future. Do they need it? Maybe not. No. They seem to be doing a great job. Yeah, it's not like no one's asking that question. No. And it's not a hole in the paddock because Kawasaki are well represented in MX2 with DRT and FNH. Yeah. So, and Bud. So, yeah. Maybe this is a formula that works. Yeah. I just think that, uh, I mean, we've actually skipped over Renault. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you go on that. EMX 250 last year? No. Yes, he was. I don't think so. We can have this argument. Maybe I'm wrong. If you're, if, if you're wrong, you've now got to wear a hat with Lewis Sucks on to match your Hold T-shirt. Up. I feel like he was injured a lot of last year, either way. I think he was, oh, EMX. he was EMX 250. He was injured a lot all last year, though. Just, I, I, like so, I said, so first I make a statement, and then you interrupt me, because <laughs> you, you asked think a question. you're right. You asked a question. You didn't make a statement. I didn't, I didn't think I was asking. I was went, making a statement. He was in EMX 250 last year? You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> What's this called? It's a Lewis podcast show, to be honest. Like it shouldn't be MX Vice. I don't be like that. It's like you woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning. Don't be like that. It's all because of the t-shirt. You're very agitated about the t-shirt. You asked me a question. I'll right. my opinion. Yeah. So it, it, we're looking at, uh, I don't know the age. I'm, I'm, you, there's no point in asking you about the age. So we know Maxime Renault, uh, Boiswami, sorry. Um, they've come up. And Renault's, you know, he's put in two consistent rides. I mean, he's been quite lucky to get fifth overall with 24 points, I'd say. Uh, 19, I believe. 19? Yep. Okay. Well, he was 16 in, in 2017. Okay. Uh, 2016. Yeah. 2017. So, yeah, I, I think there's... When you look at the results from the weekend and you've got 5th, 6th and 7th and, and you've got 5th Renault, 6th Van Moosdijk and 7th Tom Viau, I think they're going to be three big riders next year. I'd agree. Along with Gertz. Who had a mare. Yeah. But, and, and uh, let's not rule out um, Moreau as well. So I think I think the four of those, five of those, are going to play 
a very big part next year. And they all seem to be, you know, one week, like you say, the inconsistency of one week, they're really good. Next week, you know, not so great. A few mistakes, da, 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 da. But it'd be interesting to see which one figures it out first. And also there's a lot of holes to fill in the paddock. So teams are probably having this same conversation. Yeah. And it's interesting what you said earlier about, um, about Prado, like understanding like two years ago, he would have jumped it. Yeah. And two years later, he's like, eh, I don't need to. And it's which of these younger riders is going to figure that out first and put that into their, uh, into their skill set. And I think that's going to be the one who we're going to see come through and, um, you know, and start to challenge. Well, that's what confuses me a bit because I feel like Moose Dyke is a bit of a crasher and a bit of a like guy who hangs it out, but that wasn't him in MX2 at all. He crashed in the first turn or the first lap in the first moto, but he came through. I didn't see any sketchy moments. Nope. Just had a lot of raw speed and looked like he had it under control, like no problem at all. Yeah, great style as well. Really enjoyed watching him ride the weekend. He's obviously back to the MX250 this weekend. But interesting, so Alberto Ferrato is dominating the MX250. Yeah. Moose Dyke was way more impressive than him in MX2. Yeah. And I've alluded to that with Harrop, Boswami. Yeah. And people, like, EMX250 is weird. It doesn't always... Translate into MX2. It's weird. I can't quite figure out how some riders automatically transition better. So are you actually going to spend some time looking at EMX250 this week? I always do. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't didn't realise you watched it, EMX250. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure where you're going with that. I, I, I was, I'm quite shocked. Okay. Um, but it's actually going to be really interesting with these riders back in. It's been a while as well. Mm. Trentino was their last round. It's like two months ago. Yeah. Mm. It'd be... Uh, but then now, I would be shocked if Moose Dyke doesn't win. Will you be doing live tweets from EMX250 as no. well? Why not? Because people get confused. Why do they get confused? Because it's like, how many tweets do you want to do on a weekend? Okay. Sounds a bit lazy, but... Okay. Also, I need to have some time to talk to people. So Okay, so basically you just don't want to do it. No. Can I do it? No. Cool. Vial just didn't look the same rider this weekend. I have something on Vial here. Give me a second. So Vial, after the race, said uh, the weekend started well with fourth in time practice, but a crash in the qualification heat made things complicated today. I was happy with the first moto and a sixth, but the second race was difficult after starting 13th. Oh, no, after the start, so finishing 13th was okay. Did he crash on the start in the second race? I, I can't remember seeing Vial down there. But then that... Wait, let me, let me get the old lap chart up quick. Better edit this one as well. Yeah. Uh, no, 16 for the end of the first lap. If only people prepared before they came in. I didn't realise what questions you'd ask me. Okay. Well, just thought you were a fountain of all knowledge. But yeah, this is kind of... This is just more along the lines of what we expected. Okay. At the beginning of the year. Not to say that's where we'll be forever. I actually think he could be back on the podium this weekend. Two riders we've seen uh, back out there this weekend, which is Sterry and Harrison. Oh, Sterry back up there? I would say. This is just where Sterry's been, isn't it? I feel like he's been eighth a lot this year. Okay. I'd say. Right, well, I got that wrong again. No, just, just once again, <laughs> this, is what, this is what people said on Instagram. <laughs> you just need to not be so far, not be so tetchy. Wow. Okay. Um, Harrison, it was good. And that kind of lends itself to what I was saying on the Saturday show. His speed isn't necessarily bad. It just comes down to his start. Okay. But it's definitely encouraging. But let's talk about Puches. Had a podium last week. I feel like I saw him down. Or no, I feel like I saw him at the back pretty much every single time I saw him. I don't think I actually saw him start a race in a normal way once. 
So we're, we're just saying it's just a, it's yeah, just it's a just, blip. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not even a blip. It's just a write off of Starts, a weekend. Just one of those things. Yep. Okay. Everyone has those. Right, cool. Uh, do you want to talk about Botswami? Yeah, I think he looked really good the weekend. The the bits which I've seen of him, because uh, obviously there was a lot going on, but he didn't look out of place again. It was the first encouraging sign of his season. Yeah, I think he's getting better every week. Well, that is a fair assessment. I know um, I know. there was a lot of expectation coming in as EMX 250 champion, and it's probably took him a little bit slower to adapt, but definitely seeing improvements every week. And uh, his teammate Landonic was sick from the second moto, which is huge for him. Like, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. And one thing that sticks out with Van Donick, right? So every time I stood in pit lane, looking at my phone. You're 172? Hey, Who was 172 last year? Uh, sorry, Boarami's Bo- 172, isn't he? Yes. And was Van Donick 172 last year? Yes. That's what I find confusing. Okay. Thanks for interrupting my story. I, I thought you were going to go there, so but mention every, it. So every time just, I stood looking at my phone, and then I'd hear this bike coming, like literally bouncing off the limiter, and I'd be like, what the? And every lap it was Van Donick. And I never really realised he rode like that. Like literally just bouncing off a limiter everywhere. Were you asking him to change up? No, it just was interesting. Oh, okay. But so, so aggressive. I'll tell you one thing which you haven't been talking about much lately. Pitboards. Um, I feel like all the mechanics have noticed that I'm tweeting what they say because they don't seem to be writing much funny stuff. Oh. Oh, okay. So you've been uh, Olsen, out, Olsen's, have you? Olsen's mechanic kept putting breath on a pitboard this week, but I've done that joke so many times. Yeah. I've tweeted like breath so many times, but every lap it was breath, breath, breath. Okay. Um, but I haven't really been seeing much. I've I've been looking at them for insight and stuff because it's just interesting. Like um, in the first race uh, leading up after pit lane, there's a little jump on the inside. Yeah. Uh, Jacoby was the only MX2 rider at the front using that, and Daruva put the pit board out that said you need to go around the outside of it, and he did it straight away. Uh, and then Steri actually was using the jump as well. And uh, I put the pit board out saying, you need to go around the outside of it. And Sterry didn't. Okay. On the first lap anyway. It was oh, right. funny. But it was funny because Sterry didn't do it by lap. They said it on the pit board. Yeah. And he almost crashed doing the inside. Ah, uh, okay. Because um, when they were launching off of that, it seemed to be really soft when the bike landed. Not it, it, Well, Sterry's moment was before it. Oh, okay. Just braking bumps and stuff. Braking bumps. Because you can obviously carry more speed around yeah. the outside. Don't have to... Uh, heavy braking and all that. Yeah, I just seen that when I was when I was stood there. They they were launching off of, off of that, and it just seen that the bike just when it landed in the soft stuff, it just felt a little bit looked like it was a little bit out of control. I say felt because I wasn't on the bike. Okay, yeah. Should we not. talk about Gert's goggle lane debacle? He was not happy. He was. Not, I, I don't think the teams have I don't really. Think he was that happy. I don't think he was unhappy. Did you, were, were he you didn't. Not, he didn't do anything. Were you not there? I saw everything. He didn't look unhappy. He was kind of pissed. So, the goggle lane was properly used for the first time at Mantua in the mud. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Fully on board with it now, but worked, worked, worked. Yeah. So, something happened to Gertz at the beginning of the second race, and obviously, something happened to his goggles as a result of that. So, on the first lap, he pulled into the goggle lane to, because he was so far back, he must have just thought, fuck it, I'll get new goggles. Yeah. And no one was there for him. Well, the mechanic came over with the goggles. Sprinting. Sec- yeah. But then what happened, it wasn't the right goggles. So there was another guy who was stood behind the fencing who threw over another pair of goggles. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I don't think they were right. And, and basically when they pulled them out, actually they were right. And, but when they pulled them out, there was like string attached. It was just, just a mess. But, so Gertz got pulled into goggle lane. No one was there for him. But can you imagine the shock on Kimia's face when you're like, he's using the goggle lane? Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, but this is it's a communication but, problem. Uh, yeah, but is it a communication? What? So 
hey, team, uh, we're going to need you to hire someone to stand on a goggle lane just in case we need it. Well, that's the question. You know, and we don't know where which, the goggle lane's going to go. I heard that the goggle lane's going to have rules next year as yeah, well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I told <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, what, what are the rules next year? I don't know. I'm struggling to grasp it. Okay. But um, it's like a two-lap rule, like, I don't know. So I need to grow. I need to sit down with a rule book. But, um, well, like you have to do two laps before you can go to goggling. I don't know what. I know so you have a, to get muddy no, noise for I know two that, laps. I know there's a two lap rule of some kind of something. I don't know. But um, okay. I think maybe after two laps, after you throw the goggles, I, I can't remember. But yeah, like you would not expect him to be using the goggle lane. Yeah. And at that point in the race when there was no one else in pit lane, it probably would have been just as quick to go through pit lane. Well, actually, maybe not. Well, it definitely would have been quicker considering his team was there. Okay. We probably need to press on because we've been talking about MX2 for quite a while. So okay. is there any right. riders that you... I mean, let's talk about for out there before uh, it gets forgotten, but Alexander Brown picking up his first point. I think we discussed the move last week and we said it's going to be very, very, very difficult for him to... I think, I think we said to score points. Uh, we actually... The news broke the second we stopped recording the podcast last week. Ah, okay. So, was it Saturday's podcast then we maybe maybe we discussed? I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. And he goes out and gets a point. Yeah, that's surprising. That was a great ride. Like, super made up for I him think as well. Fran- I think France will be way tougher. Because yeah. there'll be more regulars there, more wild cards, and I think that will be... But the belief... France, belief will, France, will, be be the ba- France will be the baptism of fire. Sure. But let's, not t- let's give credit where credit is. Oh, yeah. He got a point. He scored a world championship point. And not only that, it's the confidence, it's the belief. You can do it. Yeah, that's probably all the team wanted from him. Like, it's not like they're like, right, we'll give you three weeks and then we want to see you in the top ten. Yeah. Nah, it's just a great opportunity for him. You know, great family. Uh, great to see. Uh, it's like a, one of those fairy tale stories come to life, I think. So, um, yeah, fairy tale stories, wow. I think so, yeah, it's great. I think it's, it's brilliant. We've, we, we've kind of followed him in his progression throughout uh, the schoolboy. Uh, championship in the UK so it's somebody who we we've known for quite a while and to actually see him going into uh, MX2 and score points is is fantastic let's rattle through some people then do it uh, Sanai uh, second race finished 8th I think yeah he's uh, feeling better he said he's getting better every week yeah so he so basically to recap he rode for a week before Mantova training did like 25 minute motos in the sand felt okay then went to Mantova and had a proper lethargic feeling. Like for some reason, the feeling he had in training didn't translate to the race at all. So he was confused by that. So then this week, he didn't, from what I know, he didn't ride the bike at all this week. And it worked out at the race. He uh, started in top 10 and didn't go backwards, battled the whole time, didn't look out of place. So this is officially the first step, I believe, to him finally getting back to where he needs to be. And he's got to be stoked because what a road. Like, yeah, if you think really, these issues um, stem back to Red Sa- uh, well, Cullum last year when he injured his knee. Yeah, because then he injured his knee, so then he was out, and then when he was recovering and pushing through that, he got Epstein Barr. Like, yeah, it's actually crazy to think like maybe if he'd never had, maybe if he'd never been at Cullum during the British Championship, therefore never torn his ACL, he never would have got Epstein Barr, and then who knows where he'd be now? Crazy how like one thing can trigger so much. Yeah, a bit like you writing that email to me asking for a job. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Ben Watson, bad day, bad starts, lots of first lap crashes. Uh, basically, everything that could go wrong kind of did. Okay. But again, actually, to be fair, I was watching his times in the second race and they weren't bad. He was like four, fifth, sixth fastest rider whilst coming through the field. 
So he looks fast in that second race. But you get a bad start round there. The result doesn't really follow. And yeah, it just looks worse than it is. But no. Beaten? Uh, Beaton had a mare. Crashes. I think crashed in both motos. I think he got run over in the second race. Not, not good. Um, yeah. It could have been... Actually, to be fair to him, uh, first race, when he crashed at some point early on, coming through the field, he was flying. Like, mm-hmm. flying. Like, at one point, I looked up and was like, oh, there's Beaton. And then next lap, I looked up and he was five riders ahead of where he was. Like, very, very good. So that's encouraging. Cool. Uh, look at the positives. Oh, Dylan Walsh. So Dylan Walsh started 10th or something around the top 10 in the first race and went back to 23rd. And in the Revo Husqvarna press release, Sam Yates, who did the quote as like team manager or team principal, said that he thinks that Dylan needs to go and get some blood tests done. Okay. So don't really know what's going to happen there. And then apparently, again, didn't see it in the second race, uh, Dylan got cleaned out by Ben Watson. Now, if I think they might have shown this on TV, if anyone has seen it, can you tweet me and tell me how bad it is? Because I'm just interested. Okay. Because sure. I, I don't really know. Don't really know. Sure. I just want to know. Um, and finally, Laranaga uh, injured. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I can't remember what he injured. I think it was his wrist, hand. I can find out for you if you want. I've got it written down somewhere. Okay. But yeah, so that he, he came back from his broken collarbone, reached new heights, and now he's screwed. Again, but I don't think it's not a serious injury where like his whole uh, year's wrecked, or it shouldn't be anyway. Okay, but well, that's good. We'll that's our MX2 roundup. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for MX Manager and uh, questions people have submitted. So, myself and Pedro are off to have a shave. The MX5 This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. BMX Here we are, Pedro and myself. We're going to talk MX Voice questions. It's actually called Ask Voice Anything. Okay. It's grown longer. Okay. Literally, I think it's less than 20 minutes this break, and you've nearly got a goatee. Okay. Do you want to do questions? Yeah. At some point, we need to make an intro for this. What, the goatee? No, the section. Oh, sec. Sex. Sexy shun. Wow, that's, that's good to be 12 again. Mm. Um, I've got the, the, the maturity of a 69-year-old. Right. Questions? Yep. You don't seem very high tempo since you've come back from the break. I'm not high tempo. I've wrong with me. You actually seem like you might be dying. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I'm going to have a sip of coke. Literally... A sip of coke. That was not a line of coke. It was a sip of coke. Jesus. Okay, you, re- you okay? Yep, I'm ready? ready. Yep. Okay, first question. Yep, let's do it. Uh, Gareth Key on Twitter. Hi, Gareth. Asks, will anyone win an MXGP race apart from 243 or 222? Yes. Who? Herlins. Okay. Okay, uh, wait. Herlins, actually, Paul Ann. So I'm, I'm going to change this question. February. Will, will anyone win an MX1 race apart from 243, 222, or 84? Yes. Yeah, I think we've discussed this a couple of times before, and I still stand by. I see Poulan winning a race. I don't. See, I see Herlins winning a race, and that's it. I don't think anyone else will. Okay, well, especially in overall. 
Oh, hang on now. You're just changing it. This is a bit like the whole T-shirt well, no. thing. He, sa- he says win an MXGP race. So what does that mean? Moto or overall? Moto. A race is a moto. Okay. Yeah. No, I still don't, I don't I don't see... I reckon it'll be Crowley Geyser hurlings the entire year. Mm, no. I think. No, I, I disagree. Care to put some money down? Uh, no, because we started with money last time, then we turned it to a T-shirt, and then you're refusing to wear a T-shirt. Okay. Brilliant. So Gareth Key also asked... Hi, has, Gareth. Has been... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're back. That's good. <laughs> has has Ben Watson blown his chances of a top three in MX2? Now, let me just get the MX2 points back onto my laptop, and I'll tell you. Uh, what, what top top two or top three? So, did you say top three. Jacoby Jacoby is um, Jacoby is on 193 points. I'm just laughing because the fact that you did he say top two or top three? Like, it's that's just the most random thing ever. Anyway. Jacoby's yeah. on 193 points. Ben is on 155 points. I don't think that's far at all. What is that? Uh, 65, 70, that's less than 40. That's 38, 38. I don't think that's far. But Especially with that group. With given, given you are like literally, le- you're, you're the driver on the bus. No, of the ben you say this, you don't get it. You just don't understand. No, no, I do. Because I stand with you in pit lane. And you're like, oh, Ben's just gone fast. As I was just telling sector. you the times. Um, I tell everyone that I do everyone. You are the driver on the bus of the Ben Watson bandwagon. I wouldn't say that, but okay. I think... <laughs> How can you sit there and not agree with me? Anyway, as somebody who is on the Ben Watson, driving the Ben Watson okay. bandwagon, you've got all your fans in the back. Yeah. They're all there. They bought a ticket. And you're Choo-choo. still... Yeah, and you're telling people to pick him an MX manager and everything else. Uh, he scored 35 points on MX manager this week. Hard charger coming from the back. Yeah. I saw that yeah. coming. Yeah, okay, whatever. Are you a little concerned with current form? No, not at all. Okay. I just think, give him a start. Don't forget what happened in Trentino. Just give him a start. Cool. Okay. Haven't seen him, haven't seen I him just, start inside of a top 15. I know you're very passionate and I'd just like to check in now and again that A, you're okay and B, you're still on the bandwagon because you are yeah, known no, to chop and change. give him a start. We all know what happened about the AC bandwagon. Just give him a start. And how derailed. Give okay. him a start. And okay. I'm sure that they're still working on starts. I'm sure that will come together soon enough. Okay, next question. But yeah, 38 points down. No, he hasn't blown it. Fully believe that there's still a possibility there. Okay. Uh, Colin Dory asks... Hi, Colin. If, when... I don't know why that's so funny. Um, if, when Prado wins the MX2 title and moves out of the class, who do KTM get to replace him as a real championship contender? <sighs> Vial not, not quite ready to lead the team, I feel. Uh, I think that's... I think that's actually a good question. And actually is a quite, quite, you know. I agree that I don't think um, VL's ready to like lead the team. No. I, yeah. I don't know if KTM could necessarily go into a season being like, here's our number one MX2 rider, Tom Vial. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's got the clout yet or whatever. No. So, so who? I was, gonna bring this, I was actually going to bring this up for a later question. Right. Mitch Evans has a one-year deal, I think. Yeah. You've got to think he's going to be the most sought after MX2 rider in the paddock. At 20 years old, yeah. Because I was going to say, because one of the questions coming up is about HRC, and I was going to say, I see that happening. I, I, but actually, now that I think about other teams... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can see teams reversing I, a truckload of cash up to Mitch's front door in France and being like, take it. Oh, I can, I can completely see that. But I can also see Honda offering either, if he's happy at 114 and is working, then. I can also see them supporting him with HRC, like a bike. I can also see that. Because why would you, why, if, you're, if you're a manufacturer like Honda, why, and you've got a great talent like Mitch Evans, why would you let that happen? Well, it's not. Sometimes it's out of their hands. 
Maybe, but I, I think they, you know, they have the pool, don't they? It's HRC. Either way, I think it'll be um I think he'll be the most sought after MX2 rider in the paddock. So he'd be a good one. I don't actually Okay, know. so let's say Who else could they get? Yeah, let, let's just let's figure this figure this out. So let's say Evans commits to Honda. So that rules him out. Who's next? Gertz. I think Gertz is under contract for another year, but maybe not actually. Was it a two year deal? I think it might have been a two year deal. I can't remember. No, but Ben was a two-year deal and he's got an option for next year and I think Iago might be the same. Okay. Um, I mean, that's one rider who... Maybe. There is, like, if you look at the list, it's like, who do they get? And Bring Pooches back? That's not going to happen, I don't think. Ferrato? No. I can't see that. Really? I cannot see that. No? Okay. I actually don't know. I think Mitch, that's what I mean. That just makes Evans all the more powerful. But they must have more options than Well, Rene Hoffer. But again, it's not the not the pool. That's, I think what you're saying, alluding to, is a big name, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But Vial could be that by the end of the season, I guess. Give him a cut. If he wins two GPs, that's then their guy. Maybe. So maybe we see Vial Hoffer. I don't know. That's I think that's realistic. Okay, there we go. Uh, next question. At Lane 400 on Instagram says. Is Prado a better sand rider than he is hard pack? Uh, I actually said that to Prado last mm. November. Yeah. And he didn't agree. He reckons he's better hard pack. No, he said he's the same on both. Okay. Actually seemed a tiny bit offended. Wow. But I think he's a better sand rider than he is a hard pack rider. Okay. Although this year kind of does support what he said and that he's better on both. But yeah. I would I still think of him as a better sand rider. I, I would say previously I would have said better hard pack rider. But really? I think, yeah. I think just because looking back at the one two five days when I when I think was it one two five or was it MX two fifty when um, Comrade beat him on it Falcons Uh Are you thinking two fifty when Comrade went one one on a Husky for the first MX two fifty race? Maybe that was it. Yeah. So I'm thinking that he he's improved his sand game tremendously since then. I just I just think he's a better sand rider. I don't know why. Not by much. Not like okay. when we get to hard pack. Well, I'm like, oh god, here we go. Can Prado make it around a hard pack track? Like, yeah, I think I think he's he's now even on both. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Lane four hundred again. Who actually sent in a lot of questions, and it's quite hard because they're all questions that I want to answer. Okay, but well, in the that- interest of being fair, I've cut it down to five. Okay, well, <laughs> if they're relevant questions, it's always good. Okay, especially good talking. Well, this is relevant. It's idea of a podcast. Um, James, this is the first James specific question we've had. I might note. Yep. Uh, James, is El Diablo your best employee? I would say... Can El... I, wait, can I, can I give my take on what I think you would say? Yeah. Okay. I think on some days, I am your best... Em- in your eyes, I am your best employee by far. On other days, I think you want to light me on fire. Um, I actually was going to say that I think um, sometimes El Diablo outperforms Lewis Phillips. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a bit more fun. He's okay. a bit more laid back. Hard working. Uh, less of a rock star as well. So uh, El Diablo, aka Pedro, I I, I kind of like him. He's he's a good guy. We discussed the rock stuffing at the weekend. We did, yeah. Um, and you're going to try and four, be a little bit more. Uh, it wasn't what we discussed. Oh, okay. Uh, lane <laughs> Lane four hundred um, again. <laughs> yep. Says was Van Moostick the biggest shock of the weekend? Depends who you speak to. If you speak to myself, then I actually thought he was an MX2 from the start. So <laughs> Your biggest shock was it was his first race in MX2. You? Yeah. It's, it's difficult because I think we all knew he was going to be fast. But then for us to... And that's fair enough saying that. But I think it's unrealistic for us to be like, yeah, we knew he'd be fast. So top five, yeah. Like, no one really... Like, let's be honest. So yeah, I'd say... Although I expected him to be fast, 
I guess it was a shock that he was in the top five in a second moto, even though it wasn't a shock. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all, which it doesn't. I mean, he started off fourth. Renault? In, is in... Renault not the biggest surprise of the weekend? But there again, he scored a 12-12, which is what? Two, two ninths? Or two eighths? Uh, what, what? Renault. 12-12, go... two ninths. Two ninths. It went two ninths for fifth overall. Hang on a minute. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> exactly. So that's... He, 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 yeah, he finished quite... You know, higher the, the overall. How did that happen? Well, I did ask you that question in the previous did segment. You? you probably just, yeah. I didn't even hear. I, I, told you, it. I told you I didn't have much to say about Renault. I was leaving it to you. Well, that's what I was trying to allude to. But yeah. Well, I'm, I, I like that. I like that you're shocked. Look at that as well. Uh, MX2, top five, all different manufacturers. KTM, Husqvarna, Honda, Kawasaki, Yamaha. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Just found the results for the first time. <laughs> well, I, actually, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking at... Van Moosdijk and I'm just trying to figure out something. Okay. So I, I think what's quite interesting was he was he was twenty eighth on lap one. Oh yeah, he charged through well. And he came through to fourteenth at the end. Yeah, like unbelievable like that almost said more to me than his second motor did. Yeah. So he found places to pass and he was passing riders, you know, probably he shouldn't have been passing oh, yeah, in theory. So yeah, I think I think for for anybody who's probably uh, not seen this coming, I definitely think it would be a a huge shock. But Renault, you know, another great performance. Uh, final one from Lane Four Hundred for this week mm-hmm. uh, is Boss Rami. Boss Rami. Bra Rami. Bra Rami. Yeah. Is Bra Rami? A no, cons- not Bra Rami. Bra Rami. Bra Rami. I don't know. I is mean, that what you're saying? I don't know what is Bra Rami. Bra Rami. Bra Rami. Yeah. You're saying bra rami like a bra, as in a bra. <laughs> That's, what one That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. No, I'm saying bra, bra rami, bra rami, bra rami. That's bra it. Bra rami. Oh my god, what have you got? <laughs> Maybe it's. I, I can see what it is. It's the hair on your lip. What is is literally holding down your okay, top lip? Okay, so he asks, is bra rami um, a consistent top five guy? If so, can you see him maybe going to HRC? I, I don't see him as a, uh, a consistent top five guy, no, no, especially no, no, no. this year. No, 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 no. Um, maybe next year. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, top, I'd say even saying he's a consistent top 10 guy this year is a bit of a stretch. Going to HRC, but again, I think we... Back that truck up to heaven's house. Hey, we talked about this in the Solid previous segments, and we've seen the, the way that he has improved from round one to round six. And that's, that's been a good improvement. So if he can do that in a second sector of this of this year, then then maybe maybe we 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 can then start talking about uh, uh, where, wherever he gets you know goes through the Honda, the whole Honda uh, family program. And that is obviously a program they've got. Like the whole, if you look at a Honda Europe setup, it is a pyramid system. Absolutely, yeah. So that is a, it is designed to make stuff like that happen. Yeah. Obviously, if a rider is capable, which yeah. while Rami is thinking about that is. Honda, KTM, Kawasaki, uh, Husqvarna, they've actually... Um, Yamaha. Sorry, yeah, Yamaha. I think the only people, would I be right in saying that maybe uh, Kawasaki don't have that tiered system? I mean, they, ha- they have Bud and then they have... Uh, yeah, it's kind of an individual thing because like, they have EMX250 as far as Moose Dyke, but I feel like that's just a Moose Dyke thing. Yeah. It's not like they have an official team no. that carries EMX250 riders and... Yeah, and I, yeah, I think maybe that's something. Uh, Yamaha do that well. Yamaha have a full blown. system. But they have this whole blue crew yeah, yeah. system, which we you know we've talked about, and yeah, it's fantastic. They really are bringing through the next generation of riders. 
And I guess they have that spread of two strokes and four strokes, so it is a lot easier for them to, to do that. Then Honda, which are not doing the 150 series anymore, and they were losing a lot of 150 riders to, to 250. But there again, there's a lot of good riders coming through um, who remained. So, yeah, I guess it's Yamaha, who's firing in KTM, kind of lend themselves to, to having that pyramid, pyramid system. Okay, great answer. Yeah, very impressive. Thank you. Uh, Ronald Bangma. Hi, Ronnie. Ronald Bangma. Bangma or Bongma? Is that an A or no? Bangma. Ronald Bangma says, uh, this is a question for the podcast. Which we can do. Probably should turn your phone off. I didn't realise that wasn't allowed. Dick. Um, next year, many MX2 riders need to move up to the MXGP class. What is the chance that some of them will go to the AMA 250-450? Oh, actually, I remember why I picked this question. You talk for a minute. I just need to pull something up. Okay, let's talk about... Um, I can talk while I search as well, if you want to ask. Okay, so... Well, actually, if let's talk about Covington. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> we're talking about AMA. Do we see Thomas Covington return in MXGP next year? He's got to deal with Husky for next year, I think. Pretty sure. Okay, but can we see... I mean, it's not going great for him at the moment. And, you know, we don't know what... We've not spoken to him, so we don't know, you know... There are a lot of theories flying around the paddock. Yeah, but do we see... Do we see a return? I think at some... Someday, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the fact that he's under contract with Husqvarna for next year... I don't really know how that works. And I feel like he wouldn't want to give up that. Give up's a strong word, but I feel like he wouldn't want to throw the towel in that early too. But potentially could come back and sit under Ice One. Yeah, for sure. I think Jazakonis is on a one-year deal. I think Jonas is on longer term. But... Yeah, I can see them keeping Jazakonis though. Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I mean. Like... But they, they have run a third rider before. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's good to see Mitchell Harrison in there. We've talked about Prado, but... Prado's got two options. If he wins his championship, he either goes 450 or he goes to America. And we've talked about, I think we talked about last week's show where the option could be coming up for Prado to take that. It didn't look like it was going to happen. Then I think you'd done a podcast from late last year and he said that he's entertaining the thought. Uh, I don't, I mean, we've seen previously that like Tonus on a 250 go over, Ferrandis go over, uh, regarding 250s. I don't know. Sinai? Uh, Sinai's up this year. Yeah, so Sinai could go back. Oh, yeah, you'd presume so. And yeah. uh, he's got a 450 contract of Dixon if it doesn't work out. But it's not like something that stops him from going to America. Okay. It's kind of, it's, I guess you'd call it a backup. Plan. I mean, one rider which I do see going over at some point is Moreau because he's already done the Monster, Monster Cup. He, you know, he's good at Supercross, good at Motocross. He's, a, he's an option like a lot of French riders. Um, well, he's talking about the riders that have to move up to MXGP, which is Vlanderin, Laranaga, Steri, Jacoby, uh, Servalin. Well, didn't we talk more. last week on, last week's show that you learned that Vlanderin has actually thought about uh, the US? Oh, that was what I was trying to find. I've already said that. Yeah. So there was a comment on, on an Instagram post. I was just trying to find it. I can't remember. But someone commented... It uh, wasn't his it, own post, was it? It was somebody no, else's. No, it was like a post about like Supercross predictions or something. And someone commented saying, um, so it was a saying about Chase Sexton battling Austin Faulkner for the title. Yeah. Or something like that. And Vlandrin commented something like, oh, Chase Sexton for the win, blah, blah. And then some fan just replied saying, um, awesome that you follow MXGP, uh, awesome that MXGP riders follow the American stuff. And Vlandrin, uh, do you like it or something? And Vlandrin basically replied with like, yeah, one day I'll be racing there. 
That's cool. Which is kind of an under the radar interest, I feel like. I yeah, feel like, like, like it's not like some riders shout about the fact they want to go to America. But if that's to be believed, then I feel like Blandering keeps it quite quiet. But I don't think that will happen next year anyway. No. I feel like he's quite a sought-after person in the paddock. Yeah, I think he, we, we discussed, I think, two or three times now about, you know, he's going to adapt himself very well to a 450. Yeah. So, um, and we expect him to not only adapt very well to a 450, but be in that, uh, you know, regular top 10 rider, like the Seaward of Jonas of, of their rookie years. And uh, finally, for the Ask Twice Anything question, yep. uh, Phil G asked, paddle tyres, why? And with rumours of a Suzuki return with Jackie Martins going around, who do you think is in the frame to ride for them? Old Hand and an MX2 guy, maybe. Uh, did you want to answer the paddle tyre and I'll touch on the Suzuki? Or both touch on Suzuki? Uh, yeah, sure. I actually don't know why people use paddle tyres because no one really could give an explanation. But I'll tell you what Karoli said, just for those that haven't heard it, because... Um, Better than, better than the horse's mouth, I guess. Yep. Uh, he put, yep, I rode both motors with a scoop tyre. It was not the best tyre, but in some places it was okay. It was helping me a lot in some places, but it was also a bit, little bit sketchy in some places. I don't know. You need to put everything on both ends and try to see where it is better and where it is not. I decided to ride with it. Maybe it was better or maybe not. I don't know. Overall, I'm okay. I'm happy with the choice, of course. And with the racing, I am not really, really happy, but it was an okay weekend for sure. So it was just a choice. Just a choice. Yeah. He like, felt that it wasn't. It wasn't the like percentages a, said that it was helping him. It wasn't a like walk of a track and like, oh god, we need a paddle tire. It was kind of just a we could do this or we could do that. Neither's ideal. They'll both work, but none of them are like hundred percent the right decision. I no. guess. Uh, your turn. Interesting on that. Talking about paddle tires, I hear through the grapevine that Maxes have returned to MXGP this year, and I hear they're working on a really good tire for next year. So a little bit of Max. Yeah, Maxes have returned. They got a truck and a paddock. And yes, they have, but they're, they're working on oh, that's a new not a bit what you heard. product yeah. yeah, next year, which is supposed to be very, very good. Yeah, I know they're working on um new tire because that's what they are, tire company. Yeah, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if, I don't know if, you're, if, it's, if it's something beyond what they're working on at the moment. Or? Uh, I think they've got a new tire coming out, which is supposed to be yeah. very, very good. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's just a little, in, in, little bit of insight I, I heard. Regarding the Suzuki thing, uh, I've also, there was a lot of talk about the whole Jackie Martin Suzuki thing. And at the same time, I've also heard that, that Suzuki aren't coming back and um, he's not spoken to Suzuki. Yeah, those rumours have slid down or quietened down a lot since Volkenswagen. I think it's like Chinese whispers where people think, oh, this is available and this would make complete sense. It does make sense. It, 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 it makes complete sense. I can imagine why people came up with this assumption, but I believe the fact of the matter is that that conversation has not happened. Yeah, I hear the same thing. So, so, but then it also raises more questions about Suzuki, and we know they're sniffing around because um, last year at St. Jean, actually, Youthstream had a managers meeting with all of the teams, and Suzuki were there despite not having a team. That's interesting. So they're obviously they're still involved in a sense and like assessing the situation. Yeah. So I and, don't know, and we do know this stems from the the kind of closure of the Suzuki MXGP team that Stefan Everts was involved in. So the reason why Suzuki are not currently in it is is something to do with that. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's everything for Ask Vice Anything. Cool. Okay. On to MX Manager. Oh, we should say actually on Stefan Everett, let's say get well, get well soon because I believe on Instagram I see now he's back in hospital again having yeah. another operation. I think he put operation number three and there's one more to go. Or yeah. Something. I mean, yeah, just keep strong, keep positive. Um, yeah, it's obviously, you know, not great to see him in 
having so many operations. I think he's maybe lost a couple of toes or I don't know the full extent of it. Tips of toes, I think. Tips of toes, okay, yes. It's not great, obviously, from the malaria. So um, moving on to MX Manager, this sure. is a perfect segue. Because uh, a question for... You and your segues. A question for Ask Vice Anything from Christopher Dive at DiveMX on Twitter. Yep. Was, uh, have you got any good tips for MX Manager picks this week with a facepalm emoji? I don't, oh. really, I don't really care for that. Sass, to be honest. Well, but a lot of people are very angry with you. I have had two misses in two weeks, but Watson picked up 35 points. That's good enough. It well wasn't good enough for you because you still got beat by 30, me. 35 points, which is the equivalent to a fourth and a fifth. I don't know. Which is good enough. Which is good enough. That's what you can't ask for much more than that. That's good enough. Well, we'll take that. So you, is this a, a Ben Watson thing or is this actual rider getting a fourth and a fifth? No, I'm saying that that's what his 35 points equated to. Well, you said it's good enough, and should we expect Ben Watson to get? No, I'm saying his. Top his three. I'm, no, I'm saying his results, his points haul on MX Manager was enough to justify picking him because of the hard charger. That stopped it from being a disaster on MX Manager. Okay, I, I, like you, I agree. I feel, based on your expression, I feel like you don't really understand what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. It stopped it from being yeah, yeah hard a charger. Show, the yeah. hard charger bonus effectively put him to where he would be normally. Yeah. So. Okay. So uh, prices aren't up for MX Manager yet, but they will be probably by the time you listen to this. And we get to see him. Yep, we have the prices here in front of us. So I've got five riders highlighted who have my interest currently right. heading into St. John. Okay. Would you like me to rattle through them? Uh, well, do you want to do MXGP first? Yep, let's do that. Okay. So for, these are the five riders I've got highlighted. Bob yep. Chef at 200,000. Not confirmed that he's returning yet, but I think he will be. Yep. It was at least hinted at. Uh, Van Horbeek, 250. Although the shoulder surgery is there, I kind of feel like he's good enough for two top tens and at 250, that's all you can ask 250 for. 250 bargain, yeah, good. Uh, Strybos at 100 grand. Yep, if we got to believe he's got a bounce back. If he can put it in the top 15 twice, that's okay at that price. Fevra, 350 grand. Slightly more than last week, but if he can go sixth or seventh, I'll be happy with that. And Tommy at 200,000. If he can go top 12, that'd kind of show value. Okay. You? Uh, the only thing I'd probably add to that is, um, I would say Simpson, 300,000. That's not a bad bet. Yeah. Uh, and I would go with February for 350 as well. I think he could probably put in two. I think he could be top five in both motos. So um, for 350,000, um, it's not great. You know, it's not, it's not a steal. It's not a deal, but no. it's... Uh, it's not bad. Um, and then I would probably go with Cyril for 200,000. Yeah, I think it's worth it. 100%. Yeah, I think if, if, if he's rightly saying that he's comfortable on a bike, then um, yeah, then maybe we'll see a, a good performance. But apart from that, I think you've done a really crappy job at um, showing some, some bargains there. Well, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, I know. Well, you've not really helped anybody, by yeah. the way. The idea, yeah, but the idea is because before the prices were changed, Mitch yeah. Evans would still be two hundred and fifty grand, yeah, and everyone would pick him. Okay, so so one person there who's potentially got you know uh, a good chance of of getting some good results will probably be, I would say, Monticelli for two fifty. What about Bogus at two hundred? Who knows? Two hundred's a little bit. Temp- I don't know. That's yeah, a bit of a gamble. You don't really want to second or no points. You don't really want to play that game, do you? It's yeah, a bit of a gamble. That is a gamble. MX two. Uh, I didn't realise that I'd basically stolen your thunder by going through my list, so do you want to start? 
Uh, no. Okay. Um, uh, is that because you don't have a list? <laughs> it's because I don't have a list. Um, and I'll I'll literally just flick through while you talk about yours. Okay. I've got six riders highlighted in this because wow. six riders who uh, pique my interest. Yep. Uh, Sterry at three hundred thousand. Yep. He's been pretty consistent lately. Yep. Watson three hundred thousand. Yep. Very interested in that. I think he'll be on my team. Yeah. Harrison. 100,000. Yep, he's highlighted. Sanai, 200,000. Yep. Think still a bit of a gamble, but I think I'd go with that. Yep. Uh, Walsh, 200,000. The blood test thing's a bit um, scary, but... Yep. Uh, You've got Beaton, haven't you? Beaton, 250. Beaton's highlighted at 250. That's a good one. If he can keep it on two wheels. And Harrison, yep. 150. Those are my highlighted guys in MX2. Okay. Um, the, the ones which I'd add to that uh, is the two young guys, which are Boirami. Uh, 250 and um, yeah, Barami, yeah, 250 and Renault at 300. I think I just don't have faith in him enough to like. I feel really? like I feel like at that price, you need something back, and I don't have faith in enough where they're going to give me enough. Okay. okay, I think at the moment, my MX2 well, team, okay, Vassen 250. I think I'd rather have Sanai at 200, or I'd rather pay 50 grand more and have Stereo Watson. Okay, I think. Well, again, you've just done a crap job with the prices again. Uh, I think at the moment my MX2 team would be Watson and Sanai. Okay. Well, no one, no one listened to him because... I think this week my must-pick rider of the week is... Am I allowed to say Watson again? You might as well because you're driving that bus. No, but he's cheaper this week. Yeah, because yeah, you've done the prices. So it's like, oh, Ben, no, I'm going to put you at 250 Cheaper. Yeah, no, I've just looked again. Yeah, Ben at 300 I think is worth it. Yeah. Or... Sanai at 200 or beaten at 250 okay you know what I'll change it up beaten at 250 I think that's a must pick and if those of you that don't know uh, last week because it does get a little bit competitive between Lewis and myself so uh, what Lewis uh, I was just going to say just be quiet and let okay. me speak okay so last week we had a little bet on the, the Saturday podcast show interestingly I won the bet um, so there was a lot of for a loophole not for a loophole just just basically having more points than him. Uh, he was very excited in McDonald's car park um, because he actually added up the points and believed that uh, he'd won. So then he got all uh, very excited and was giving it the big one and then worked out that he got the points wrong. So then he had to backtrack again. Uh, the forfeit is that uh, we started with money, but there's, it's just never good to do money between work colleagues or friends. Um, so we decided on a T-shirt. So if I won, Lewis would have to go around the French GP with a Lewis Sucks T-shirt. And I think if Lewis won, I had to wear a T-shirt with I'm Sorry Lewis, which was a bit lame, but that's the it best he can, that's the best he can come up with. Because I thought we were joking. I didn't realize this, realize this was a real It thing. was not a joke because remember when we shook hands and we said, yeah, but this I, is a I bet and we got for, Sean to witness it. I just it. did that as a joke. Like, haha, funny. Yeah, it's a bit. No, roll my eyes. No, you didn't. You were very, very... It was one of those things where I was like, I really need to get on with my work. How do I make this random no. man shut up? I'll just shake his hair. <laughs> no, you were so excited about this whole scenario that you bet you wanted okay. to bet £100. Can I, can, I just, can I just make something clear again, please? Okay. My team... Yeah. For Aguada... Sure. ...was Max Anstey, Roman Fevre, Ben Watson, Moose Dyke... Yamaha and 114 Motorsports. Great, great that team. That team should have been unreal. 
But you only beat me by 12 points, and that was because Max Anthony didn't score any points. So are you blaming Max now? No, I'm just saying... Because you've got to walk around with a T-shirt with Lewis Sucks all weekend. Although you beat me, it says a lot about yourself that it took Ben struggling and Max not lining up for you to beat me by the smallest of margins. And I will put this into perspective again, right? So you are second in a race, yeah? Yep. First place crashes on the last corner and you take the win a win is a win yep. it doesn't matter how it comes I'm a win is a win yeah and similar to if that happened we'd be sat here saying yeah but yeah it was a great win it was a great win but you just you just don't you can't go all in on it can you you just got to think but because I am I have gone from a colleague last year to a friend this year that's debatable um, I am going to wear a Lewis Sucks t-shirt as well okay you can do that and then you're... you're no, no, we're both... Because it's more powerful if you do it. I'm no, not wearing the same t-shirt. I'm not, do, I'm not doing it anyway. It's game, it's, it's, it's game over. It's game over. How, how can you just say... You cannot, you cannot backtrack. I can. So, so basically, if we bet £100, then... No, I would have paid you £100. No, no, but you're saying that I shouldn't have paid you £100 because it was... If you didn't want to, no, I wouldn't have been mad about it. Well, I would have been pissed. I wouldn't. I'm a nice guy. I don't like... I, don't, oh, I, know, oh, I know the, ga- oh, I know the, gambl- yeah, I know okay. the gambling is a dangerous game, and I don't want to see anyone wrapped up in that. <laughs> you're just so, so full you, of shit. If, so if you wanna, full of shit. So if you want to... If you like feel like maybe your gamble went a bit far, I'd be like, you know what, mate? Don't worry about it. I don't want to see you. No. I don't want to see you. Do you know what? I've got seven T-shirts coming this weekend. If anybody wants to wear a Lewis Sucks T-shirt, then just message me on Twitter. So, um, yeah, because they're gonna, we're gonna have some tats. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna put a vote on Twitter with who would wear a Lewis Sucks t shirt. To be fair, it'd be much more powerful for you to send them out than for me to wear them because then it would be random people walking around. The oh, world. no, the whole idea is because I know how much you, you really don't want to wear this t shirt. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes the whole bet worthwhile in the first place. Well, luckily, I will be getting myself dressed in the morning. So, we have a Lewis issue. Sucks t shirt. No, it's not an issue. We'll see. Okay, we will. We'll see. We're, there may be the power of the people. The power of the people, which on the podcast show, we talked about this on Saturday, we're talking about today. Let's put the will of the people and putting you in a Lewis Sucks t-shirt. I think the people are nice enough to care about me and want me to uphold. Yeah, you, you hold on to that dream. Yep. Yeah, you hold on to that dream. I will pay everyone £10 who tells James to do one. Okay, one thing which we should talk about next week is... Uh, well, this week coming is France. Yep. Um, last year in France was just silly season. Just went crazy. Yep, everyone, so, it was at that point that I found out that Max was not being re-signed by Husqvarna. It was at that point that I found out that Jazakonis was going Husqvarna. It was yep. at that point that Bobashev started having talks with people. Paul Anne. Yep, everything started happening in France. Everything. So we're pretty excited because we believe there's going to be a lot of people sat down having talks over the weekend. Um, we'll be able to start understanding how next year is going to shape up. So uh, make sure you listen into the uh, Saturday show. We'll be able to kind of talk about our observations and then uh, make sure you're tuned in next, this time next week uh, uh, for uh, hopefully a really good uh, silly season. Great way of putting it, James. Thank you very much. Well done on the show. That's probably my best bit and it was the last bit. Yeah, well done on yeah. the show. You did well. Fuck it, we'll get better every week. Great work. Thank you. I'm impressed. Yeah, no worries. And uh, we'll see you, well, I'll see you on um, Friday, El Pedro, <sighs> with your moustache and your Lewis Sucks t-shirt. Oh, can I quickly drop, do we, actually no, let's not talk about it. Oh yeah, go on then. What? I know what you want to say. What? 
You want to say that? I very nearly didn't get to uh, the, 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 the Will James go to races game is still up in the air, and I'm just scared now because he oh, says he's going to France, but I don't know. It went to a new level. Let's face it; it went to a new level in Portugal. Well, tell, tell people what happened before we we, we close. So up. he was ready to go, and I think ready to go. Yep. Um, See, I don't mind you taking a piss out of me. No, I'm not taking a piss out of you. No, I'm, I'm actually saying, concerned. No, I'm just saying I'm fine. So we were meeting at like a Gatwick Airport hotel at like 11 p.m. Which meant James was going to be leaving his house at like half eight p.m. So at eight p.m. Eight. Okay, so at eight. So at like half seven p.m., I messaged him and I said like, "Oh, uh, blah blah. This is the address for the hotel. Uh, blah 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 blah." And he replied saying, "Awesome, brilliant, sounds good." Yep. Ha ha ha. So brilliant. That's good. Yeah. Good. And then half an hour later, he messaged me saying, "I'm not going this weekend." Yeah. <laughs> it escalated quickly. <laughs> I had a brutal day at work. I'm not going to lie. It was brutal. And then copped with, you know, then I had to get petrol. Then I had to drive three hours to Gatwick after like just a shit day. And then I was so tired. And then I just thought, do you know what? So do you know what happened? Like a trooper. I fell asleep at eight o'clock that night. Literally fell asleep at eight o'clock at night. Woke up at three o'clock in the morning. Got in the truck. Actually packed in the dark, which was, uh, you know, showed with the uh, the clothing choices I wore a weekend and then um, literally got in the truck and arrived at Gatwick before everybody yep. but Just we like appreciate that. that effort yeah there we go look at the amount of insight you brought to this podcast because you did that well not a lot but no you have actually uh-huh. to be fair I'd say you brought more to this podcast than you have any other what are you saying that was better than the barbecue one yeah probably week? okay alright I'll take that right thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you on Saturday such an abrupt end bye This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. BMX Vice Shop.